Friday, November 2nd, 2018, and you are tuned in to Season 2, Episode 43 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com, presented by Hameen Media. And of course, now streaming at Last Word on ProWrestling.com. On this week's show, we're talking some college football, NFL Week 9, Cody Rhodes, WWE, New Japan, ROH, the Jericho Cruise, and much more. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Email us at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day, but please join me in welcoming in my tag team partner, the OG Huckle. Berry, RBV, Rick, Happy New Year! It's me, it's me! It's that order the B to the V. Rick Vickery here, crushing some leftover Halloween candy. Uh, it was a wet and windy All Hallows Eve here in Northern Ohio, so we didn't have any trick or treaters out. Jargo, how was the holiday for your family? Um, we don't do the Halloween thing, man. Um, for those who do not know, I have been a practicing Wiccan for about 15 years now. And uh, in the old country, going back to the, the Celtic days, uh, Halloween is actually known as New Year's Eve. That's where the tradition of the masks and all that stuff came from. So, Happy New Year to everybody. And uh, we, we just kind of do our own little thing here at home. We get a pinata, we fill it up with candy. The girls grab one of my old guitars and they smash the pinata with one of dad's old guitars. They, it's a yearly tradition. They have a freaking blast with it. And I don't have to worry about psychos trying to put meth in my kids' candy. So I, I saw the photo Saturday you sent me of the pinata. So I didn't know they used one of your guitars. So you guys are actually, you guys are lifting the Elias the Honky Tonk Man gimmick. Yep. Uh, for, for the little family, for your uh, New Year's, if you will, for your tradition there. But I would really pop me, though. You send me that photo. My first thought is, man, there's a lot of good-looking candy in there. And then I kind of take a second look at that thing. It's like, is that pinata giant taco? Yep, we, we did this. Uh, let's see. That would have been on uh, Taco Saturday. Saturday. Taco yeah. Saturday this week. Uh, of course, we do Taco Tuesday every week, but, you know, my oldest daughter, she's only here on the weekends, and she was jealous that she hadn't had tacos in a while, so we had to do up a, a batch of tacos, and then we went and got the pinata, and it was like, oh, it's a taco! This makes all the sense in the world! There we go. All, all new meaning to us, uh, smashing some tacos, but, hey, man, I, I think want to mention something Halloween-wise that, that I've noticed over the past couple days here. You've got everyone across social media. Everyone is sharing their, their costume photos, either of them to themselves, their kids. Well, what I really notice is when it comes to wrestling-related costumes, and I'm actually, I'm actually going to talk about the females here. When, when you get those, the young, the sweet, those innocent fans, they're all dressed up, you know, like Shar Shar, Sasha, Becky, Bailey. They, they look great. They're all, you know, cute. Then it seems as they get older, 
they progressively turn into more slutty members of the Bullet Club. Yeah. That's what I've noticed here. A lot of slutty Martys all over this. <laughs> uh, were you a fan of the show How I Met Your Mother with Neil Patrick Harris? I was not a fan. It's not one of those things. Like, if it's on, I can sit there and watch it, but I would never go out of my way to tune into an episode. It just, it just didn't click with me. Big fan of the show. And uh, there, there's one episode where Neil Patrick Harris's character, Barney, does uh, during one of the Halloween specials. He talks about how Halloween is his favorite time of year because all the girls dress like sluts. It doesn't matter if they're a cat, they're a slutty cat. If they're a witch, they're a slutty witch. And thus, Halloween is his favorite holiday. I just noticed uh, a lot of it is, it is as they get older as fans. It's just they turn into sluttier versions of the Bullet Club. A lot of slutty Martys out there. We will be talking some Bullet Club news on this show a little bit later. But Huckleberry, I guess first things first, um, I not only is this our Halloween episode, this is also the seven second dance break. Oh, yeah, that is so fucking annoying that I am going to annoy all of our listeners throughout this show because Jersey Mike was telling me how much he likes his seven second dance parties that 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 the seven second dance party thing's got to go, man. How how are you against this thing? I know it, it doesn't really click with you, man, but it is over. People are loving us. That place erupted Tuesday when they went into the dance break. Hey, and ultimately, I got some news for you, too, bro. It's not going anywhere because it seems that Vince McMahon is down with this thing. He wouldn't have been out there participating himself if he didn't think there was something there. You know, they actually stole that gimmick from Grey's Anatomy. That's where that stupid seven-second dance party thing came from. The only reason I know that is because my wife watches it. show bores the shit out of me. Let's talk about uh, another show that might bore the shit out of me. That's right, Huckleberry. I'm talking about the college football playoff. Our first rankings have been officially released. Hold on, you motherfucker. What? I finally got rid of that Jersey Mike segment for the women's. Did you just sneak a new Jersey Mike segment in on me? Oh, God, no. God, no. No, here's the thing, right? So we're, we're talking last night, and Jersey's telling me how over the seven-second dance break is. And uh, I, I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh huh. And then just randomly in conversation, I was like, "Hey, when's the last time you saw CN?" And he was like, "I don't know, man. What's going on with CN?" He's sitting and fucking catering because you want to watch our truth and Carmela dance for seven seconds. Jesus Christ! Hey, it's over, man. It is over. It's it's the entertainment side of the of the WWE, and people are eating it up. Yeah, I know. Heaven forbid that I want the entertainment side of the WWE to actually be the wrestling. Let's talk about the college football playoff. Uh, Huggleberry, here is your one through ten, according to the National Selection Committee, who we all know doesn't really know anything. Uh, number one, Alabama at eight and no, Clemson at eight and no, Notre Dame at eight and no, LSU at seven and one. That would be your final four if college football ended today. Five through ten looking to sneak their way into this thing. You have the University of Michigan at number five, Georgia at six, Oklahoma at seven, your Ohio State Buckeyes who don't stand a snowball's chance in hell of getting into the playoff at number eight. Here's another group of people who don't stand a snowball's chance in hell, that being the University of Central Florida. I'm sure that we'll talk about them here. And then you have Washington State at 7-1. Kentucky, you're lurking 
at number 11. Huckleberry, what did you think of this top 10 when it came out? I think this every every team is kind of slotted in where they should be. I'm going to take issue with something you just said there. Claiming the Buckeyes do not have a shot at this thing? Are, are you kidding me? I don't think I'm they've looking, got a shot. I'm looking at this thing. This is very easy for very easy for them to play their way back into this thing. Uh, kind of can, you know, have to take care of their own business, first and foremost. Got to run the rest of the table here. You got to go over Michigan. That's going to knock Michigan out of this thing. You got to go on and win the Big Ten Championship. And then, yeah, you're going to need some help here. Uh, you've got some other teams sitting up here. I'd have to almost argue if Notre Dame can get picked off when you line up without them going to and winning a conference championship with one loss at 8-1, their strength of schedule, lined up against an Ohio State one-loss team. you got to give the nod to the Buckeyes there. I don't think there's any chance Ohio State gets in over Notre Dame. I I think they could. And and that's a tough pick, too, because there are other factors when they're going to measure this out. They do kind of look at how travel is going to happen, what's going to affect kind of ratings. I know they're not going to come out and admit that, but that does come into play. That is a coin flip between those two programs. Uh, But that is a tough call there. You know, that's if Notre Dame rides this thing out. LSU, we're going to talk about the big games this week. I don't want to kind of spoil that conversation. But hey, they if they lose coming up, they'll go to a seven and two. Uh, a one loss Ohio State is going to jump them as well. If Georgia, Georgia's got some some tough games coming. I won't say tough, but maybe some traps. And then they also they obviously got to go win the SEC. Running to Bama, you don't win there. You're sitting at two losses. A one loss Ohio State could jump you there. Uh, I guess the the biggest factor there is if Oklahoma can win out, then they would move into that slot of, you know, some of those other things happen. But Ohio State is far from out of this thing. Uh, they, they've got to take care of their own business and get some breaks along the way. But everything I just listed break-wise, there's a very good possibility that could happen for them. So do not roll out the Buckeyes right now. I, I do like, you you know, you see up there, Central Florida, Come 7-0 on. again, 7-0 again. Last year, that tremendous season where they kind of they went out and got their own trophies. They were kind of calling themselves co-national champions because they weren't even given an opportunity when they were undefeated. Uh, to me, Central Florida, you are the R-Truth of college football. You're so delusional that you think you belong, but you're nowhere near the big boys. Yeah, not even close. I, their, their strength of schedule is damn near last in the country. Play somebody. Sorry, I don't, I don't buy into these little teams. I didn't buy Boise State years ago. No. If you put them in the Big Ten, they're, you know, they lose four games. SEC, they probably lose all their games. I mean, let, let, let's be serious a little bit. Let's, uh, let's take a look at some of these games, because like you were saying, Huckleberry, this is a big weekend. And if the SEC is going to start poaching itself so Ohio State can sneak into this thing, it it needs to start for you this weekend. You have uh, number six, Georgia, going to number nine, Kentucky. These are the AP poll ratings, by the way, instead of the the college football playoff rankings. Number six, Georgia at number nine, Kentucky. That's going to be one hell of a barn burner. I'm still going with Georgia over strong, though. I see. It's kind of funny. I want to bring this up. I was going to dub, you know, you like you said, we got four big games to run down here. At first, you know, this is this is truly and every time we, we do the sports, I like to relate it to wrestling. This is a true fatal four right here. This this could change the whole landscape going into the postseason, going into this playoff. But even probably more of note here is when I was kind of going through the run, I wrote in my notes, 
it would, might be the best typo ever. Apparently, instead of Fatal 4, I wanted to call this the Fetal 4. The Fetal 4. <laughs> yeah. My personal so. favorite thing about this game is in order for Ohio State to squeak into this Final Four, Huckleberry, guess what? This weekend, you're a Wildcats fan. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, either way, I, I, I'm still not going to rule. No, I'm still not going to rule out. Georgia goes over here. They still got to go win that SEC, SEC championship game. That's a very valid point. Which is, which is, you know, getting there is great. Going over in that thing is a much tougher task than maybe anything else here in college football we're going to see this year for Georgia. So a, a lot up in the air for them there. But yeah, I mean, this is. This is probably the biggest game in Kentucky program history. Yeah, I would agree with that. They, they At least in our thing, lifetime. I, I maybe say, you know, for football, the football program, it, it's arguably ever. I, I, but I don't you, know that I just much about Kentucky's I just football history. Really, that's because there really isn't a lot. Exactly. Uh, you know, for in this day and age, for the opportunity to go play for the SEC championship, uh, that in itself is going to be a major accomplishment for Kentucky, but I just cannot imagine, cannot imagine those guys lining up against uh, like Alabama in that game. No, I think for Ohio State's sake, I think you want Georgia on the other side of that SEC championship game, no matter how you slice it. Uh, Penn State goes to the big house up in Michigan. Uh, of course, Penn State escaping by the skin of their teeth against the Iowa Hawkeyes last week. I don't think Penn State's nearly as good as people are giving them credit for. I think Michigan is going to have a real easy time with Penn State up at the big house. Yeah, you know, Michigan Michigan has to come in fired up here. They're at home. Penn State a bit overrated. Michigan's got, Michigan's got this in their hands. Uh, I know they're sitting right outside that playoff, that playoff picture. They're right on the bubble. But you know, looking ahead, looking at you know the what's going on in the SEC, Michigan wins out. They're in this thing. Well, I think even as an from the Ohio State perspective, which is obviously the most interesting as far as the the purposes of the show go, um, I think you're pulling for Michigan this week, right? You you want Michigan with one loss and Ohio State with one loss going against each other. Here's one thing that I've that I've always brought up. And, you know, so many diehard Buckeye fans here where I live, obviously, you know, in the great state of Ohio and all that. Each and every week, you'll see people take the social media. You'll hear them out and about cheering against Michigan. Inside college football, I've never understood this. Yes, they are your biggest rivalry. You hate them. You hate everything about the blue and gold. But the way that this system works, you should want them to win every game every year except for one. And that is the game against you, the Buckeyes. Yep. You want Michigan to win every one of those games because every time they pick someone off and you beat them, it makes you that much stronger. That is the way the game works in college football. And it's it's crazy when you try to explain that to people and they give you this just stupid-ass look like they but, – but I hate them. Well, it's for the – your team's better than you, dumbass. Yeah, it's, it's not it's, professional yeah, so, sports. Works a little bit differently in college. Back, you know, if you get a couple losses, you know, everyone's trying to play into this thing. It's this is you're building your resume. You want all of your opponents. You want everyone inside the Big Ten to be successful, or inside whatever division you're rooting for to be successful, to improve your standing on the national stage. So, of course, I mean, outside of the Buckeye game, I'm rooting for Michigan every week. I would love that. You know, 
I say it. In, I say it in college basketball too a little bit, which is a little different. You can lose some games and still get into the dance, but but hell, it, it makes you that much better. I, you and I are Duke fans, and I'll always kind of joke that my second favorite team is Carolina because I, you know what? I only want them to lose three games a year to the Blue Devils because it would sting so bad if they got twenty-seven wins and three losses, and all three of them went to the Duke Blue Devils. As appealing as that is, I still hope Carolina loses every game. Um, another game this week where you will be pulling for the Wildcats, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish go into Northwestern. The Northwestern Wildcats, yeah, they've got three losses, but if you look, they're unbeaten inside of the Big Ten. They are leading the Western Division of the Big Ten as we speak. I'm not sure that I would want to be going into Evanston right now. Notre Dame, number four in the country. This is a must-win game, and I think this is one of those games that people overlook when it comes to a rivalry game. These two schools aren't separated by very far at all. Yeah, and you know, especially with Notre Dame riding that high, those players, those fans, everyone associate that program at Northwest, they're going to want this one. They're going to be hungry. I'm looking at this Notre Dame schedule here. This might be the one that could get them. Uh, you got Northwest. Then they've got Florida State. You don't know what kind of team's going to show up there. They're they're not very good. Syracuse. I think Syracuse is pretty. Is Syracuse pretty good this year? I have no idea. And then and then they close out at USC. Ooh. Uh, so uh, yeah, I guess got kind of tough road there for for Notre Dame. They could easily drop one of these things. Uh, but yeah, if it's going to happen, it, it could very well could happen. Oh, those Trojans would love to play spoiler against the Irish. And then, of course, this has to be the game of the week without any question. I don't care if it's NFL or college football. You Syracuse have, at 6-2. and two. Syracuse is 6-2, and two, so that's not too bad. Right. The game of the week this week has got to be number one, Alabama, going on the road to the Bayou to take on the number three, LSU Tigers. Oh, this is main event, baby. This is the big one. All eyes in the college football world are going to be on this game right here uh, for multiple reasons. You know, at LSU, they're playing for their life here. They lose this thing. They're, they're done. Oh, yeah. They're essentially, they're essentially out of this thing. They win. It could, it could screw a lot of teams. Now, my question to you is, if Alabama loses this game, I expect that it will be close. If Alabama loses a close game at LSU – do you think they fall out of the top four? Because I don't. I don't see it happening, and, I, and that's why I wanted to jump into this thing. With their resume, their track record, they've gotten that respect. A one-loss Alabama team will probably, I'd say 90%, make this playoff. That's which just would end up putting, Which would end up putting in two SEC schools, which means Big Ten, Big 12, you're likely screwed. Yeah, especially with Clemson still unbeaten. And we saw this a couple of years ago where Bama got upset, didn't go to the SEC championship, had that one loss, and still got into the playoff. And won the national title. And they won the national title. You could see a repeat of that because they lose this game. They're not going to have to even go play in the SEC championship. They're going to sit back, let everyone else kind of play out around them. And as you said, they won the championship that year. So the committee could be sitting back saying, hey, they only got that one loss. Look what they did last time. They still proved they were the best in the country. If LSU wins this game, this is going to change everything. We're, we're going to probably be looking at, at two SEC schools going to the back to the playoff. 
And then you have Georgia, who's a lurking. Damn SEC. I swear. They've got three teams. I mean, when you look at this top 10, I mean, it's basically the SEC and the Big Ten. It's ridiculous. Alabama, LSU, Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia. You've got to power, like you've got one or two powerhouses from the other big divisions, uh, but that's the bulk. That's the bulk of it is in is in the 10 in the SEC. You know, Clemson's pretty much going to cruise their way on in. That's a lock. So, I mean, that's one spot taken right there. You think in any scenario, uh, Bama's going to be there unless they just completely fall apart. As long as they got one loss, those are two spots gone. So what I'm looking at here is you've really got, you know, five, six teams kind of all fighting their way in for two final spots there. Yep. And unless you live in the great state of Washington, college football season is basically over if you're a West Coast guy. It's pretty, pretty weird this year, the way that that has worked out. Let's go ahead. Let's uh, throw it over to the NFL. Oh, Huckleberry, these Thursday night games, man. You remember when they kept saying these Thursday night games? Oh, they're going to get good. They're going to get good. We got some good teams coming up on Thursday night. We've got Oakland going across the bridge to take on San Francisco. And I'm not sure that anybody cares. Well, I was, I was reading an article last week pretty much putting this thing over, and it had all the statistics to back up their claim that this is the – on paper going in the worst primetime game in the history of the league. Ouch. How do you like that for a billing? Wow. Hey, do you happen to know how much Fox paid to get Thursday night football? No, I don't know off the top of my head. Do you have the number there? Because I'm afraid I, that I, it will terrify me. I actually don't. I, I, I meant to go look it up. I apologize. I thought maybe that somewhere passing at work or in all of your studies that you might've come by it. Not that it's really important because no matter what it was, wasn't worth man, it. Did they overpay? Ouch. We we had talked a few weeks ago when we were kind of looking at some of these games that were on their schedule looking forward. You gotta you gotta believe they're gonna go back to the negotiating table and get some kind of flex rule in there that they have for Sunday night football that'll allow them to make a switch at some point in the year. Games like this, man, this is just devastating. Um I don't I don't even know if the if the viewers in those markets want to watch this. No, I think you'll probably get more viewers from the state of Iowa for this game than you will from the state of California, just because the, the Hawkeye fans are, as we covered on the FQI a couple weeks ago, they're absolutely delusional and they're still cheering CJ Beathard, who is now the San Francisco 49ers quarterback with Jimmy Garoppolo out for the rest of the season. Well, I'd say, you know, from the absolute bottom, we do have some some very high-profile, big-impact games on the schedule this week. There are some big games this week, and Oakland at San Francisco is not one of them. Let's start things off with Pittsburgh at Baltimore. Uh, Rick, as people know, I've been on the Baltimore bandwagon. I have them as my Dark Horse Super Bowl team, and you look at the standings, and all of a sudden they're sitting there at 500. This almost feels like a must-win game for the Baltimore Ravens. Well, I'm going to come and look at this from a, a little different perspective. You are exactly right, Jordan. To keep themselves in this hunt, uh, this is a big game. Not, not maybe a, a must win because you are you're running into now to a lot of uh, division games coming up, so they could get back on the ball here. But this is going to be a big statement game for them, and it's actually 
this is going to be a big swing for the entire division. As a Bengals fan, I am definitely I'm going to be pulling for the Ravens here because you got Pittsburgh sitting at the top of this at the top of this division. The only reason they're really there right now is ultimately because of their bye week. It's given them a slight advantage. They had that tie where they're only sitting at two losses, four, two, and one. Where the Bengals are in second at five, three, and zero. Oh. They had that bye week, which gives them that edge in the winning percentage. This this is going to even things out for us. Put the Bengals back in first, sit on a bye week this week. Don't have to do anything. Baltimore goes out and does the job for you. You jump back in the first. And it almost, you know, creates that more of that even playing field heading into the bulk of these division games on that home stretch. You know, we're on, on the backside of the season here. Pittsburgh wins this. They've given themselves quite a bit of breathing room. They've, they've got some some wiggle room and they're in control of this thing looking forward. Looking forward to that game. I think that's going to be a very telling game for how the second half of the season is going to go. You have the San Diego, I mean Los Angeles, I mean maybe going back to San Diego Superchargers going up to Seattle to take on the 12th man and the Seahawks. Seattle's kind of catching fire here, Huckleberry. It seems like Uncle Pete has uh, figured out a little bit of something that's working up there. Is San Diego in for a big letdown this weekend? Man, this is this is going to be a good one, as you said. San Diego's kind of found some steam. You know, they're they're rolling. Not San Diego, uh, Seattle. We're still calling Seattle, them I, San I, Diego. I, what I here's the reason I had San Diego. Uh oh. Jack and it was the episode of South Park was on last night, so that's in my head. But uh, Seattle, Seattle was on a roll here. They look great. They've looked great the last couple weeks, especially last week. But, hey, the Chargers keep doing it, man. People, people keep down them. They keep winning. This, this should be a good one. You know, the Chargers really feel like they have become the L.A. football team because nobody cares about football in L.A., and that's kind of where the Chargers are. The Chargers are really good, and nobody cares. It's, it's kind of like, you know, when the Clippers were good there for a couple of years and nobody cared. Or when the Angels were hot there for a while and nobody cared. It's all about the brand in Los Angeles. And right now, the brand is the Rams. And the Rams go into New Orleans this weekend to take on the Saints. You talk about a main event. This is going to be a slugfest. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. You got Drew Brees right now, the front runner for the MVP, how hot he is. Uh, the Rams... So good, so good. It almost seemingly heads and shoulders above the rest of this league. This is home field advantage implications here. This is going to be a fun football game. I'm looking forward to that one. I don't even know how to pick that game, but I'm looking forward to it. I guess I, I kind of lean advantage New Orleans just because it's in the Superdome. I think you got to give them the home field there. Hey, and, and right now for the Rams, this is. They're in the midst. They're in the midst of a, a a very tough stretch here on their schedule. You know, last week they they come out of the gate slow. The Packers are up on them. They come back to to barely get a win there, 29-27. They've got the Saints this week. Then they got a big division game next week. They got to host the Seahawks. Then you got the Chiefs. Man, that's a hell of a stretch right there. We're gonna see how good this team is. I'm looking forward to Kansas City and the Rams. That'll be a fun one to watch. Hey, that's going to be a good one. That's a, an ESPN uh, Monday night game. Ooh, big Monday night game. Look forward to the raw numbers for, for that week. 
So we're, we're going to have, actually, when that game is on, we're going to have the AFC's top Chiefs versus the NFC's top Rams up against the fallout from Survivor Series. <laughs> That'll be intriguing. I, I look forward to talking a little bit of Survivor Series with you here in uh, a little bit as we have our, our first match officially announced. And it's going to be fascinating. Uh, let's wrap up the NFL week. Packers at Patriots. As uh, my, my Green Bay Packers, uh, it seems as though they've made a, an official statement here over the last couple of days. We are no longer buyers. We are sellers. Ty Montgomery, gone to Baltimore. Ha ha, Clinton Dix, gone to Washington. We gave them both away for a bag of peanuts and a cheeseburger. Well, you know, uh, the Brothers of Destruction are going all the way to Saudi Arabia to, to bury DX. We're going all the way to Foxborough. I was going to say, I got a feeling that your Packers are going to Foxborough uh, to get buried themselves. Yep. Um, positive note coming out of uh, the Packers' demise here. Uh, you looking forward to uh, Mike McCarthy as the new head coach of the Cleveland Browns? Hey, come to Cleveland, rent, don't buy. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a, a real possibility. There's a lot of ties to the Packers organization there in Cleveland right now. Mike McCarthy, of course, has been the Packers head coach for, God, I think a dozen years now. I think he started in 2006. And I think Aaron Rodgers is uh, ready for a divorce. Well, I think, uh, you know, what the, the big conversation up here over the firing of Hugh Jackson uh, with the Browns is it. You know, him and, you know, management, they really couldn't see eye to eye on the direction in the handling of Baker. And right now for the Browns, it's all about how you're going to treat that franchise quarterback. It's all going to be about him and the hand, how he is handled going forward that couldn't see eye to eye on it. I, I kind of would just real quickly bring something to you on that. Man, the, uh, that new car smell, the glitz and the, the flare, they've kind of worn off with him. And I, I'd say it goes back to what I told you, you know, when they put him in that game and everyone, oh, he's got to take he's got to take every snap going forward. He's got to lead this team. I want to point out that you guys seemingly are kind of wrong on uh, this being proven from, you know, around the world. A lot of trends in Vegas, a lot of trends in Vegas are showing that they have lost confidence in his ability to move forward on a professional level. I don't mean to cut you off, but it's time for a seven second dance party. See how fucking annoying that is. So let's uh, let's talk about uh, some professional wrestling. Rick, uh, we were going to do this Monday in the locker room, and the show ran long. But we were talking about your Raw Six and your SmackDown Six, and now I'm I'm going to give you something here in a little bit that's going to change all of this completely. But did you go through? Did you come up with your Raw Six and your SmackDown Six with uh, the big dog out? How are you going to set up these shows? Well, you know what? Uh, I was, I know, I think I know what you're going to drop on me. But coming into this, you know, when you when you kind of laid out this topic, kind of you know, got my mind going so many different directions, and it kind of led me down a path where I want to take a, a different perspective on on the topic. You know, instead of six stars in the ring. I want to I want to look at the overall brand representative. 
you know, I think this, you know, the SmackDown Six going back to the days of Heyman, I think that philosophy worked back then, but in this day and age, I don't know if it if it really has a place. I, I think you need a much broader range with the current company structure. So I so what I wanted to do is kind of let you know let you lay out which which you kind of thought because I I know. We disagree quite a bit on, you know, somehow the way they present their shows and their directive where it really bothers you at times that it's not more focused on the wrestling, you know, in ring aspect of it. And where I kind of pull back from just that general PR marketing at times. Uh, but I'm going to let you take the lead and then I'll kind of share where how I would go with just brand representatives. Well, see, I do think that the SmackDown 6 philosophy still works. Of course, we're referring to the way that Paul Heyman booked SmackDown in the early 2000s with the SmackDown 6. Um, I, I think it still works because you have to have your main event picture. And to me, that's what the SmackDown 6 is. You have whoever is the current champion, and then you have the rotation. And it's kind of what SmackDown is doing right now with their tag division in a very, 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 very poor way where they just kind of rotate things. That's what the way that I have always viewed the SmackDown 6. So I have my Raw 6. I have three babies. I have three heels. This would be my main event participants for Monday Night Raw. And for roughly the next year or so. Um, now, keep in mind, this is going into the Fox deal. And we do know that Fox has come out and said that they would prefer a more sports-like presentation. Surprisingly, I only made one trade between Raw and SmackDown to get my six for both shows. Well, Kind of. Let's start with Monday Night Raw. Number one, I'm going to have Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre is going to be my face of the company. He is going to be your perennial, I'm always in the title picture guy. Then you have Braun Strowman. So there's your first baby and your first heel. I have Braun Strowman and Drew McIntyre. Then I have Dean Ambrose. I'm going to make him my number two heel on Monday Night Raw. Psychotic Dean Ambrose, because I think we could do something there. And his first feud is going to be against the returning to Monday Night Raw, Daniel Bryan. I think that would be a great program. Whoever wins there moves on to the main event picture. Who comes out of the main event picture, you rotate them in. And then your other two babies, in, or your other two guys on the roster, your baby and heel, I have Kevin Owens cast as a baby face. I'm going to make him my number three baby face on Monday Night Raw. And I'm going to bring back Bray Wyatt as my number three heel. I think that we can actually rebuild Bray the way that the landscape is kind of laid out now on Monday Night Raw. Yeah, you know, going down, if we're, if we're just looking at in-ring, especially in maybe like a, a short-term kind of stretch, I, I, don't, I wouldn't have any objections with what you got there. I mean, and they all feel like they're character-based guys. So Monday Night Raw is going to be my character-based show, while SmackDown is going to be a much more athletic-style, more sports-like presentation in the ring. Here is my rundown for SmackDown Live. Your number one babyface on SmackDown Live is still AJ Styles. There's nobody better in the ring Right now, AJ is still killing it. I mean, the guy's been champion for almost a year, and he's absolutely killing it. My number one heel on SmackDown Live is going to be the man that was traded for Daniel Bryan, and his name is going to be Finn Balor. I'm going to bring Finn Balor over to SmackDown, turn his ass heel, 
give him Gallows and Anderson and let them do what it is that they do. And I think that is a perfect story to go against AJ Styles. And the matches are fantastic. My number two heel on SmackDown Live is going to be The Miz. And he's going to be feuding with a babyface, Seth Rollins. Because I think Seth needs to go to SmackDown. We need to separate Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose going into this Fox deal, especially with the way Ambrose's moveset is right now, the way Rollins' moveset is. I think Rollins and AJ Styles are the two faces that carry the SmackDown brand. My number three heel is going to be Andrade Cien Almas, who's sitting and catering while R Truth is dancing right now. But we all know how good Cien is. And when you're talking about AJ Styles, Finn Balor, The Miz, Seth Rollins, Cien can have a great match with any of those guys, although right now he is on the heel side of the roster. And then Huckleberry, I was stuck. I was stuck because there's no more star power. That's it right now. Those 11 guys, that's pretty much the star power. So to make up my number three babyface on SmackDown Live, you know who I penciled in? I penciled in Cody Rhodes. I see, you know, but I was kind of looking at it, either looking at it from just, you know, the wrestling product or how I'm going to kind of lay mine out as an overall brand. I, a couple of times, you know, some outside names came to mind and I wanted to stay away. It's, we're going to stay true here. We don't want to get too over the top with it. We want to stay within the confines of the current company if they were trying to set these plans in place today. But I, a few questions here before we move on to my side of it. I, I, I think it's very interesting, and I, I think I would, I think I would be okay with it. The way you kind of, as you said, you're going to go more of your character work, uh, probably more outlandish storylines, maybe, maybe more. I don't want to say traditional, maybe more towards like attitude. More Vince uh, McMahon. Just, it's a more, more Vince, Vince McMahon, McMahon show. on Raw. On Raw. Yep. And then SmackDown would be, you know, that clear cut where it seems more like like New Japan or something you'll see actually see from a from a legit combat sport. I would like to, you know, draw that line in the sand where we clearly know which is which. Not like right now where you blur those lines on each show. Yeah, because right now both shows feel like they're the same, just one with red lighting and one with blue lighting. And and that's the issue with it, you know, and they don't have any problem with mirroring each other. I think that'd be fine because, and I know there's, you know, certain fans would prefer, would be, you know, lean more towards SmackDown. Hey, I, I think I would probably, with the way, what I like, how I like my wrestling, I'd probably be more towards Raw. But I, it would distinctly give me the option. I know what I'm getting with each brand. I really like that. Now, I do want to throw this out there. I think I know why your explanation for it, but some of the listeners, as you lay out there, you're going to do more of the character and storyline work over on, on Raw as opposed to SmackDown, they're going to question your move of Daniel Bryan. So uh, what's your reasoning there? Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles are the same person. They are basically at the root of their character. They are the same exact character. I feel like AJ Styles needs to be the face of SmackDown Live. And I, I... I want to split up Brian and AJ because they're basically the same character. Now, yes, granted, I have Brian cast as my number two babyface behind Braun Strowman. 
as it is on Monday Night Raw. I just, with the yes thing, you have the flying goat, you have Brian versus the authority, you have all that history. To me, when I think of Daniel Bryan, I think of Daniel Bryan as a Raw superstar. Not a, I don't associate him with the SmackDown brand. I associate general manager Daniel Bryan with SmackDown, but not the in-ring competitor. Well, I think Daniel Bryan's always wanted himself to have more of that SmackDown vibe because because just in general, when people think of SmackDown, it's more of the technical style. It's more there's more emphasis on the in ring, which I think is another good reason to move him is to ultimately protect himself. Well, and the other thing is you do need somebody on Monday Night Raw that's going to make the smart marks want to watch Monday Night Raw. And Daniel Bryan will do that. Well, you know, he's great in his character work as well. And he's, I think he's much better at it than, than AJ Styles. If you're going to make the argument that they're essentially the same and you need to separate them, Daniel Bryan's a much better fit for a character storyline-driven show than AJ Styles. Right, but SmackDown Live is the house that AJ Styles built, not the house that Daniel Bryan built. I feel like if you move, if you move AJ to Raw, I feel like AJ's damaged in that. I'm backing up all your reasons. I think it's a great move. I just, when you said it, that the first thing I thought of is that listeners will question, you know, moving Daniel, who is that beloved technician who, who wants you to think he's, you know, he's blue and blue, you know, blue through and through. He, to me, he's more fitting for all. I, I agree with the move. I just want you to explain it there. You know, for me, though, I, I went at this a little different. And the reason I, I really wanted to look at the brand as a whole, who's going to represent the entire WWE platform is to me, all the talents that you named, you know, they're, they're tremendous. They're great. They're great performers. I tune in you know, each and every week to see what they're going to do, who's going to shine, who's going to rise. But overall, when they started calling them all superstars, it essentially made no superstars. To me, there's so many. It's just cookie cutter off of the factory line. Damn near anyone to me is almost, you know, they could leave tomorrow and we're going to forget about them too much because you could easily plug another talent in, especially with the crop they've got in NXT. Uh, there's there's yes. someone to replace you. NXT is, uh, I, I, we're going to have to talk about NXT here in a few minutes because there, there's something going on with NXT. I think you're going to get your wish. There's a reason I didn't put any NXT talent on Raw and SmackDown. We'll have that there. So to me, I'm looking at this thing from from a television perspective. I'm looking at this thing from marketing. I'm looking at this from the other projects, the other divisions. You know, who's going to be out there as Goodwill Ambassadors, the true faces representing this brand. They're going to do it across all the WWE platforms. And a few of them, when I started looking at this, a lot of the moves WWE is making right now, they are positioning these players in those roles so I know I'm going to get the shill victory shill on this one, but it makes a lot of sense to me, and it's the direction I would go in. And I'm right off to the top, the one that is the face of the company right now, it's hard to argue why she is there, and she should continue to be there, and that is Stephanie McMahon. Ryan K. Bowman from, from over at the grillposition.com, our good friend, good friend of the show, he threw it out there as Evolution was going off the air. He made a bold prediction that eventually Stephanie McMahon herself would make the transition into politics. Hey, and it, it's a fair, it's a fair statement. You look at how she handles herself, how she represents her own brand. She's putting herself out there, all the PR movement to make her look good. She's the chief brand officer. They want her to be the focal point moving forward for so many different directions that the company has in line here. 
I agree with putting Stephanie there. What I don't agree with, though, is when she does transition to that television role, we need to change that persona. We need to just have one Stephanie McMahon across all across all boards. We need to squash this kind of attitude and perception that the name McMahon makes you an evil prick. I just Stephanie McMahon, I, I, I could see absolutely moving into the world of politics. But in order for that to happen, I think that they would sell the company first. I think so, too. I mean, if she's going to make that move, the company's gone. But as long as they've got the company, she's going to to be at the head of the board table. She's going to be running the show here eventually. It's hers. And I, I think that she is uh, a great figure, someone that I would put in my overall brand six to move this thing forward. I have her out front. Which, you know, on the flip side, I know a lot of people would say, you know, Trip H isn't on my list. I don't need Trip H out in the front. I don't need him doing these rounds. Sit behind the scenes, run the wrestling show. Uh, let your let your efforts be your legacy. We, we don't need you out in front leading the way here. Uh, number two, I got, I'll, I'll try to get through as quick as I can here. Uh, Roman Reigns. You know what? Last week, I, I know this one's kind of, everyone's like, oh my God, Rick, come on. Going forward, I believe Roman Reigns will be back. He'll be back in the ring. Uh, hey, this one is kind of, hey, play to the heartstrings. Play to the heartstrings. He's going to be beloved now. I'm going to, I'm going to, I am going to ride that cancer train as long as you can. This guy's going to be out. He's going to be hitting all the different little PR angles that they like. He is a marketing dream come true right now. Oh, yes. And they can't they can't resist from telling you that Roman Reigns has leukemia. They beat you over the be, head with it. It doesn't, on Monday it doesn't Night have Raw. to be present every week on television, but it can be there when they're doing all these programs with the children, with the make-a-wishes and all the, you know, the different foundations that they support. And this goes on a global scale here. I mean, he is going to be a, a great spokesman for them, someone that's relatable to, to, to the families. Arch people forward here. Use that. I also have I have my Sharshar. It has nothing to do with you know with me being a Sharshar mark. I just think she's built for this business. She's someone that they're probably going to position to be like the first female headliner for a Hall of Fame. She's going to set all of these records. She's 32. She still has many years ahead of her. I know there's some other women there that are in her in her age range. Uh, you know, one like I don't have Ronda on my list. I don't think that there is really an extended shelf life for her. She's already been out there and said, you know, she, she's looking to have a family and all that. When that happens, that's going to be the end of her. I think she's here for this short contract. She's going to give them a boost. They're going to get as much as they can out of her. And then if there's a next big PR boom that they can pick up from somewhere, they will. I think she's just a short-term answer uh, where Charlotte is built for the long haul. This is in her blood. This is in her DNA. I think she's firmly committed to this thing. And she's just, and with kind of just, you know, how women are built, the injuries happen as they get older. She has a different build than, say, that you know, the Beckys and the Sashas and the Baileys and all that. I think she's built for it. I, I put Charlotte there, which kind of makes sense to me why they're so stubborn on trying to push her as that face, uh, which you'd have to go a roundabout way. Uh, it's almost you'd have to let her just be so villainous for a while that it turns into a love affair where you can start using her for that PR. I got Renee Young as another female. It's a different directive. She's not in the ring. I, it seems to me she has a real passion to be there. I think they could break through so many barriers with her. Uh, the sky is the limit. She is very personable. She's funny. She's witty. People kind of just gravitate towards her. I think she's a good pick to put in that spot. Along with that, he's a little older. I don't know how many how much long he has in the ring, but there's so much else he could do, especially growing-wise in social media. He could join a commentary team. 
Uh, he can represent your studio brand in so many different ways. The guy, the guy knows how to. He's a great crossover star. He knows how to go out and work any kind of audience. That is the Miz. And I do have kind of wrapping this thing up. I, I needed an international star. I need a guy that looks like a million bucks. When given the opportunity, he can talk the talk. He's going to kind of, you know, he's he's going to pull in a more of a, a wider audience. He's going to be more of that global star for you. He's on your list, and it's Drew McIntyre. Yeah, I I knew as soon as you started talking about him there, I was like, yep, he's going to have Drew on top too. I think we we both agree Drew McIntyre should be the quote-unquote new face of WWE going forward as much as it, the brand can be focused on any one person. I think at the core of the matter, that's really the issue here. They, they've spent so much time and so much airtime and so much creative on making Roman Reigns this face of the company that now it's like, oh, shit, now what do we do? Yeah, I, I think this kind of goes back to it, it's they're very picky about giving anyone really that ball, letting them run with it. It's they're very particular about how they do this, you know, and it goes back to, you know, Hogan, even where he essentially became bigger than the brand. And they were so worried when he went to WCW, is it going to put them out? You had kind of not as intense as with Hogan because they knew how to watch their backs a little bit more. But you had Austin and Rock very close to that. Uh, it took C- they, they held Cena very close to them uh, before, you know, before they felt that they really had Roman to kind of let him kind of just go off and kind of explore new avenues on his own. This thing with Reigns just came out of nowhere. They're, they're not prepared at all. They didn't have anybody in waiting. Instead, everyone else was just kind of a, an interchangeable part. So let's talk about our boy, Cody. Yeah, Cody, don't call him Rhodes. Um, Huckleberry, I got Cody on my list because I, I, I feel like Cody is probably the biggest name on the independent scene right now that if they signed him, he immediately goes to the main roster. NXT is not even a thought here when it comes to Cody. I mean, he's been there. He knows the routine. He knows how it works. I think he goes directly to the main roster, and I immediately make him my number three babyface on SmackDown Live. But Cody is making some uh, waves here, and I think there's a, a pattern starting to develop with one Mr. Cody, don't call him Rhodes, and I think it's all a work, and people are getting themselves all kinds of worked up here. Over the course of the past week, we've had Cody has said that he is no longer in the Bullet Club. That's uh, that's all entirely Jay's thing now. He thanked everybody for his time in the Bullet Club, but they have moved on. They are now the Elite. The group is now collectively known as the Elite. And then Cody on the Jericho Cruise came out and told everybody, nope, we're not going to WWE. He came out on the Jericho cruise and said that we're planning all in two. Uh, that there's, he's also come out and said, you know, that he's not going to be on the Madison Square Garden show with ROH and New Japan Pro Wrestling. So there's all kinds of speculation as to what is going on with Cody here. Rick, I think this is all storyline. Yeah, I think, you know, just kind of add to what you were mentioning there, too. Let's not forget, you know, after, you know, handing the uh, NWA World's Championship back over to Aldis, he kind of took to social media and kind of wished the NWA well in moving forward. And those other superstars, other talents taking the ball and taking the NWA to the next level, which pretty much indicates that his time is done there as well. But then we've also heard these rumors of all too, that the plans are in the works, you know, the, the wheels are spinning. They're getting things together. This is, this is Cody Rhodes. This is what he's been doing. 
he, he kind of says these vague statements to kind of lead people. They're kind of open-ended to where you can go with it. And you can go in a number of directions. And in typical form, you have these sparks that without really reading, you know, too deep into it or really trying to understand it, they take everything at face value and get overly excited and run with this. So a couple of days ago, we got the Being the Elite uh, Halloween special, their very first Halloween special. And I thought the only thing that was of real relevance, other than Hangman fighting the aliens, which was awesome, uh, was the Kenny said it a couple of times that this whole we're all sticking together thing. Cody's the one that said that. Cody's the one that said that we're no longer Bullet Club. Cody's the one that said we're doing all in too. Cody's the one that said we're not going to WWE. At what point are the rest of these guys going to tell Cody, hey, why don't you shut the fuck up and let us make our own decisions? And we've seen this kind of where they didn't go. They didn't really run the whole storyline out, but we saw the early makings of this, you know, where there was that kind of divide in Bullet Club, you know, between Cody and Kenny. Because it was Cody taking liberties that he might not, you know, he probably shouldn't have been taking at the time where he was maybe overextending his role as received the new leader of Bullet Club or trying to claim that spot, uh, which caused a, a great divide within the club. So, yeah, I am with you 100%. Everyone's just kind of taking this at face value. They're, they're holding, they're putting so much, investing so much truth and want to believe in what he's saying on the surface, but people need to look into this a little deeper. I, I'm with you. I think this is just going to be a masterful work. Yep. I think it's all storyline, ladies and gentlemen, and I think that they are absolutely killing it right now, except I did, hey, I, I did feel bad for Marty. Do, do you think that it, or is it too obvious that eventually it all comes around that Cody was the mole or do you think it will end up being, I called that a long time ago that Cody was the WWE I, stooge. I, I know that, but is it too obvious at this point? No, because I think people are, they, they're taking all of this sincerely as a shoot. I think that's the thing that is just so crazy about this. Like, is there anything that the elite have done at any point in time over the course of the last year, with the exception of all in that was really a shoot it's all storyline i mean for god's sake they finally thank god they finally spoiled this for me kenny finally says this week to matt hell you had everybody convinced that your back was hurt since january so it's nice to know that matt jackson is actually okay that this is not a shoot injury because he's been selling it since wrestle kingdom well i'm just saying you know i just think it would be just hilarious if it ultimately comes down to maybe it was the bucks themselves that they were being fed information from Finn the whole time or that'd be, or great. from Gallows and Anderson or AJ that someone that's cause they have the deep, you know, they have the deepest roots inside bullet club. So if it was them the whole time, the people that we really look to as the leaders and the ones that have taken it to the next level, if they were the stooges, great stuff let's uh let's go ahead we're gonna go ahead we'll throw it over to the break rick well the, these last two parts for segment one here we'll save for segment two because the wife's got to go pick up the kid from school and i need to watch the little one because the little one's sick and uh it's just a mess uh so let, let's go ahead we'll throw it over to our musical break this is going to be my my friend's mindset evolution from peoria illinois 
Got to get some love for the Midwest Music Mafia on here. When we come back, we're going to talk some NXT. We're going to talk some WWE, New Japan, ROH, the Jericho Cruise, all kinds of stuff coming up in segment two. We'll be right back. Trust your broken words for what they say. There's just something safe in your embrace. Where's the truth you won't confess to me? Living in a world of that was Mindset Evolution with their song The Change. Big fan of those guys. Unfortunately, they're no longer together. But we wish Rob the best down in Nashville doing the singer-songwriter thing. Guy's got a great voice. Love Rob. Uh, Huckleberry, let's uh, let's start going through some uh, wrestling from around the world here. And I wanted to start with NXT. Um, and, and not necessarily war games. I think there's a big story brewing down at NXT that nobody has really figured out as of yet. I think you're going to get your wish, Rick. 
I think NXT is officially becoming the third brand because I don't think they're going to be the developmental territory anymore. I think the developmental territory is becoming evolve and NXT is going to make that big jump to an official third brand. Well, this has been a long time coming. Triple H has been putting it out there, trying to get individuals to see it more than just development. And, and quite, quite honestly, until people let go of that label, they're only holding themselves back to really how they can enjoy this. Because I see so many times people complaining about, well, once they move to Raw or SmackDown, they're going to get ruined. Well, I think once you kind of let that go and respect it at its own brand, don't expect for ultimate success for an individual that they need to make that jump. And once it becomes more common ground that it's just the yellow brand or the yellow and black brand, however you want to go about it, you know, those you're going to see higher contracts there. You're going to see its own style. And it, it is. It's going to fill that niche that so many people uh, are, are clamoring for. So let's uh, look at the evidence here. Uh, we knew Gabe Sapolsky was working backstage at NXT, and we had a, a few wonderings as to what exactly was going on there. We've seen Velveteen Dream do- go and do a guest spot down at Evolve. And now over the course of this past weekend, Fabian Aikner captures the Evolve Championship from Shane Strickland. And we also had the Street Profits capturing the Evolve Tag Team Championships. Now, these are not big names inside of NXT and the Street Profits, definitely a bigger name than Fabian Aikner, but they're still, you know, very low on the card inside of the tag team division. I think Evolve is going to become that official developmental brand for NXT. And you will go the way that the system will work now. You will go through Evolve, and then you will go to either NXT or 205 Live, which I think is going to die and become a second hour of NXT. And then from NXT, you may go to Raw, you may go to SmackDown, or NXT may be your ceiling, like a Tommaso Ciampa, a Johnny Gargano, that they are going to keep there to sell tickets. Well, I definitely could see them going that way because we're already seeing where they're setting up camps globally with the other, you know, the other NXT expansions, obviously with the UK. And we know that there are plans to go elsewhere, you know, into you know Pacific regions or, you know, India, the Middle East. They, they have got their eyes set on all these different camps. So why not here in the States or in North America, you know, just kind of use Evolve, which already has a great established name there. You have a good working relationship. Use that as the feeder to, you know, NXT which is going to now kind of just take that next step itself and hopefully be accepted as that third brand really. And I hope to keep their style because there is that market for it. And that's, and that's what it's going to, it's going to serve that community. But speaking of individuals that just went over winning championships, uh, this coming from pro wrestling.com, uh, KCS Ono, he is going to be going back to work some evolve shows. He's going to be there November 9th and 10th when they make their runs through Detroit, Chicago. Have you uh, watched much Evolve? Uh, a little hit and miss. You know, if, if there's a big match, something going on there, uh, if I hear some buzz, something good going on, I'll make sure to go seek it out. But it's not something that, you know, is is regularly on my radar. I'm very much the same way. It's, it's a lot like progress to me over in the UK, where if I hear of something big going on, I will check it out. I don't have anything against Evolve. It's just not my regular watching schedule. But when you look through the list of Evolve champions, you look, I mean, Evolve has kind of become that branch between ROH 
and NXT. So now it just seems like they're going to make that official. What I'm also hearing is we've, we've been hearing a lot of rumblings about the tiered network and it sounds like evolve and their complete back library will be available on WWE network sometime in 2019. Um, I don't know if that's something that I necessarily want to go back and watch a, a whole lot of it, but it'll be nice for them to actually have the rights to that library for guys like Johnny Gargano. Well, I was going to say, you know, it's, you were talking about former champs. There were just talents that went through evolve. I think that's going to be a great selling point for the WWE network to kind of entice some, you know, some consumers to kind of take that upgrade, you know, those diehards that want to go back and watch some of that classic stuff be very interesting i hope they get progress on there too that'd be pretty cool because there's some really good progress stuff from back in the day that the progress roster has kind of been pillaged over the last couple of years but you go back and you watch some of those like mid 40s progress shows there's some good stuff there let's talk a little bit about war games uh last night on nxt we uh, got our first announcements of some war games matches uh number one the war games match itself rick we're going back to a two-team format which makes me very very happy it's going to be four on four it's going to be the undisputed era taking on the war raiders ricochet and pete dunn um which is pretty much the match that we call uh, originally, I had thought that they were going to do three teams again, so I thought British Strong Style would be involved in this thing as opposed to uh, just this conglomeration of War Raiders, Ricochet, and Pete Dunne. Uh, my, my issue here, though, Rick, three of the four major men's titles are all going to be wrapped up in this match. You're going to have the UK champion, the North American champion, and the tag team champions. To me, that kind of makes for kind of a letdown of a pay-per-view. Well, I was going to say, you talked about this plenty of times that you almost feel that there needs to be another takeover somewhere between what we see at SummerSlam and here at Survivor Series. And now, especially because they're going, because and even then you said because of this war game match, eating up so much talent, occupying their time. Now you include all these champions here, which is, I mean, I assume we're going to get some championship matches on just weekly programming, right? Well, we have had the North American title defended. We have had the tag titles defended. Um, the UK championship, obviously, was just defended on NXT UK on their very first episode, even though it happened months ago. Um, I, I mean, it, it's a good match. I'm just, I'm not sure that I like all these titles being caught up inside of a gimmick match. It just makes for a letdown of a pay The only title that's going to be defended is going to be the women's title and the NXT title. And I don't think either one of those matches are going to be the big draw that they should be. Well, that's, you know, something that makes, and it's great to have the champions, other championship matches on television. You know, it's going to bring eyes to the product, but let's not kid ourselves. It, they don't have the same vibe. The intensity isn't there. It's just, it just doesn't have, you know, that over the top feel that you get from the takeover specials. They, they go to that next level. They are truly something unique. What's inside the WWE universe and you want to see a full card of that. And that's usually what you what you get with these takeovers with NXT is you've got all the titles in your and you get you're lucky if you get one, you know, grudge match that's in there or yeah. two of them in there. 
Yep. Um, and we definitely have one announced already. And I, I think this might be the first takeover that's going to feature two women's matches with all these titles caught up inside of that big war games main event. It wouldn't surprise me if you end up with like, you know, Nikki cross versus Bianca Belair winner becomes number one contender and you get a rematch for the NXT women's championship between Baszler and Kyrie Sane. De- de- definitely could see it going there. Uh, let's take a look at the other two matches that have been announced. Number one is your big grudge match. Johnny Gargano is going to take on Aleister Black. They've been building this, of course, for literally months at this point. Johnny Gargano has been revealed as the attacker of Aleister Black, or so it would seem. Because last night on NXT TV, we saw Nikki Cross win a match over Mercedes Martinez, which was absolutely fantastic. Great seeing Mercedes inside of uh, that kind of a context. And then Aleister Black comes out. Or, or first, Candice LeRae comes out and confronts Nikki Cross. And she's like, you're messing with people's lives here, which makes me wonder, is Johnny Gargano actually the guy who attacked Aleister Black, or is Gargano just taking credit for it here? Then we see Aleister Black come out, and he gets in the face of Candace, and Candace just simply tells Aleister he's not here, which was an awesome visual, because Candace LeRae steps right up to Aleister Black, like, I ain't gonna take your shit, which I would love to see that match. I know I'm never gonna get it in the WWE context, but I would love to see Candace LeRae take on Aleister Black. What a fucking match that would be. Uh, Johnny Gargano, nowhere to be found, nowhere on this week's episode of NXT, but Huckleberry, I am seriously considering here that, you know, Johnny Gargano and Aleister Black, maybe there is an issue there, but I am not completely sold that Johnny Gargano is, in fact, the one that attacked Aleister Black. Well, I mean, how how deep could this thing go? I mean, could it not, not just that he's taking credit for, I mean, why would he just jump in there? Could could he possibly is he being blackmailed? Ooh, that that's an interesting in, possibility. Somehow, I mean, are they, could they really be stretching the storyline where he's been brainwashed? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I feel like there's something more going on here. The, the, this whole Johnny Gargano attacked Alistair Black thing—it's just not doing it for me. It's not registering the way that it should. It's just something feels well, off. What if you get this this ultimate twist here? I kind of like, you know, where, where Candace confronts her and says, you're ruining people's lives or messing or ruining, however she said it there, that Candace knows about what's going on. What if it is that Nikki has something on Candace and is forcing and is pulling the strings, forcing Johnny to do this to protect his wife so yeah. that something doesn't get revealed about her? Something's going down, and we're noticing a little bit of a change in Candice LeRae. She came out in uh, all black last night, which is very un-Candice LeRae. She had on black lipstick, which was very un-Candice LeRae. So uh, there's, there's definitely a bigger story arc going on here. It's going to be interesting to see what exactly it is and how exactly it's going to play out. One thing I'm very much enjoying is since Alistair Black has returned without the NXT championship, suddenly he's Alistair Black again. We, we said on the show that Alistair Black had probably the worst championship reign in all of NXT history. 
because that championship exposes the character. Now that he has lost this championship, Rick, Alistair Black is pissed. He's just going through and destroying everyone. He's getting up in William Regal's face. He's getting up in Candice LeRae's face. And suddenly that mystique has returned to Alistair Black now that he's lost Goldie. Well, you know, a, a big issue here is when they use the championship as a prop to try to define or elevate a talent. Uh, you have the, you have these situations, they backfire. They don't do anything for the talent. They don't do anything for the audience. It, it goes back to why championships should be important in wrestling. You do not use the title to define the talent. You use the talent to define the title. It's a great point. And you're seeing the same thing go on in New Japan right now. Carly and I were having the conversation this morning. You know what has absolutely sucked? Kenny Omega's reign as IWGP World Heavyweight Champion really stood out to me this morning as I saw Okada come out with the balloons and everything. And it's like, I'm finally getting used to Okada without that title. And then I started thinking about the title. And I was like, God, that title has been so misused ever since Omega won it. I don't think he's defended it against anybody that wasn't in the Bullet Club. For Christ's sake. <sighs> Let's move on to your championship match inside of NXT. And Rick, the announced match is the match that I feared that it was going to be. The announced match as it stands right now is Tommaso Ciampa taking on the Velveteen Dream for the NXT Championship, and I hate this match. Nothing about this match feels like this is an NXT Championship match worthy of a takeover. This feels like a random Wednesday night in September kind of NXT TV Championship match. Uh, but there is a little bit of a twist here, as once this was announced, Lars Sullivan was pissed because Lars Sullivan feels like he should be the number one contender for the NXT Championship. And he is going after that shot, even if he has to tear Velveteen Dream in half, which was a nice visual. Um, so next week on NXT TV, we are going to get Lars Sullivan versus the Velveteen Dream. So I don't know if this is going towards Lars taking that championship opportunity, if this is going towards a triple threat match of any way, shape, or fashion. But either one of these guys versus Tommaso Ciampa just does not feel like an NXT championship main event to me. I think just kind of goes back, you know, we're looking at the, the previous two matches we talked about here. You know, you've, you've got that that real interesting where is this thing going program with Gargano and Black. And then just the War Games match, you've got so much talent and, you know, kind of invested there. So much going on there that it almost feels in this in the uh, NXT championship picture that they're just looking for filler to hold them over to get them geared up and rolling into the uh, the Rumble takeover. The other thing that is terrifying here, if this match is Velveteen Dream versus Tommaso Ciampa, spoiler alert, Tommaso Ciampa is going to win that match. Now we have been hearing that there is they are poised for another round of NXT call-ups. People have been calling for it for almost a year now. I, is this where Dream gets called up? And if so, what does that mean for Dream? Because I don't think he's ready. I think at this point, I, I think that's just more wishful thinking for fans that really that really don't know what's going on in the inner workings. I, I want to go back. I want to reference something 
from the impact attack this past week were uh, were Ben and Big Ray. They had on they had on Rip Rogers, one of you know the greatest trainers, arguably of all time, from OVW, who who was responsible for some of the biggest names that we know today in professional wrestling. You know, Brock Lesnar, uh, Batista, Randy Orton, John Cena. All those guys went through there, and. What he was talking about on the show, you know, where fans kind of jump, you know, jump the gun that they think they know is, hey, oh, this guy's got great character. People love him, his moveset and all that. Well, we don't we don't really know behind the scenes. We're not the coaches. We're not the guys there at practice. We're not seeing behind the scenes. I think they know that he's not he's not there yet. And that's why they've kind of pushed him towards that stardom. They, they give you just enough what you need from him, but they still hold him back a little bit. I, I think he's still got time. For that real breakout moment, that great run in NXT before moving on to Raw or SmackDown, and he's hey, so it, young, he's so young, and yet yeah, you don't want to push anything. We, there's plenty of time here, but this it even goes back to what we were just talking about. He is beloved by that NXT audience. Why do you want to see him leave, especially if you're trying to, you know, ultimately establish that thing as its own brand and get over that hump where where everyone just still has that label of development on it. Yep. You want to retain stars like that. Let him stay there for a while, for even maybe one more year or so, to build around him. Let him learn. You got to remember, he didn't have much of anything coming into this thing. And what else is he that most of these other talents are not? He's a homegrown talent. I mean, you look up and down this card. Ricochet made his name somewhere else. Black, Gargano, Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, Roderick Strong, the artist formerly known as War Machine, Pete Dunne. These are all talents that they brought in. Velveteen Dream, that kid is homegrown. I see no reason to rush him through, quote unquote, developmental. I would leave him in NXT, especially, you know, we talk about all the time where it, the thing about NXT is the in-ring work. Well, Velveteen Dream has gotten over with character and the in-ring work part is still kind of coming along. I feel like if you put him on Monday Night Raw, it's going to be awesome for about two weeks and then Vince is going to lose interest in the gimmick. He's going to be way toned down and then he's going to have to rely on his moves to also get himself over and he's going to go out there and be hip tossing people like Seth Rollins. I mean, come on. He's a spot yeah. monkey. That, that's what you're going to get. He hits those few big spots that people remember, and they remember the act. He still has a ways to go and grow. He needs to remain in NXT right now where you know he can be coddled there and really develop himself. And, you know, we all the time, we blame WWE creative for trying to, you know, taking six months of booking and cramming it into six minutes. Yep. We, we jump on creative about that all the time. But, hey, you know, a lot of that is kind of the blame on, you know, the fans. that They don't have the patience to let things play out. They want everything right now. And ultimately, it ends up backfiring on them. I feel like it, it, you see it with Elias. And this is our fear with the Elias babyface turn. Yeah, everybody loves the gimmick. Everybody loves the character. And then the bell rings and nobody cares. He becomes the headlock master. You know, it's, it's so funny about Elias. And we're going to start getting more of it now that he is the baby. He's going to start winning matches is where they play his music. Yeah. Isn't it weird? Yeah, it is weird. Because you never hear it when he, he never comes out to it. You only right. hear it when he wins. And it's like, oh, Elias actually has music. And his music's actually kind of good. 
I dig his music. The first time I actually heard his entrance theme was on WWE 2K19. There we go. Ridiculous. Let's talk about Survivor Series coming up November 18th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Of course, we have one match announced at this point. And Rick, um, I think the WWE should be terrified of this match. It's going to be Becky Lynch taking on Ronda Rousey. And this week on SmackDown Live, we saw Becky Lynch address it and they booed Ronda Rousey, who wasn't even there. I think this is terrifying for WWE, and I don't know how Ronda Rousey is going to react if 10,000 people boo her out of a building. I so say they're going to have to be really careful with this, uh, you know, how how they really go about just even presenting this, the interaction between the two. Becky right now, there's no denying she is the hot commodity. And I, I'm even going to go, you know, if you had the trouble with people booing Charlotte, who ultimately still, you know, has the respect of a lot of the Spark fans uh, because they know, you know, they know where she comes from. She put in the work. She is still, she is a true pro wrestler. She's, you know, one of them. Whereas Ronda still gets a little bit of that heat because she's the outsider crossing over. And a lot of people are kind of resentful towards her having so much success so early in her run and, uh, there where they just really just shot her to the top, you know, for all those PR reasons and all that. I mean, they're going to be careful. This could get real ugly. Um, a lot of people that I respect a lot have very much enjoyed this Ronda Rousey run. And as I look at this Ronda Rousey run, since she came in at the Royal Rumble, everything has went 100% completely perfect for Ronda Rousey. They have been very, very careful about who they match her up with and the talent that they're going to be putting her inside of the ring with and talent that is going to be booed. And we are going to cheer Ronda Rousey. Now, Rick, I sent you the interview that Ronda Rousey did on the Ellen DeGeneres show shortly after she lost her first UFC fight. Um, and what I really wanted to talk about here, this is not about character. This is about the individual Ronda Rousey. Um, I think in watching that interview and you can find it on YouTube, it's a couple years old at this point. Um, she has a very, very fragile ego and it's going to be very interesting to see how she is going to react. The second something doesn't go exactly the way that it's planned. Well, I was going to say, you want to talk about major differences, you know, from the world of MMA in the world of professional wrestling. In MMA, it's very easy for them to protect their talents. They don't have to be as exposed as much to as what you're going to get in professional wrestling. They're just not out there, you know, in front of that audience as often. Yeah, it, it's. I would even go to say that you, the fan base is just so different. Where you know the professional wrestling fans are going to take more liberties in expressing their, you know, their likes and dislikes towards certain individuals. And you're exactly right. I mean, they're. Hopefully going into this thing, she's got some, you know, some good people around her to keep reminding her and to stay focused moving forward and really toughening her skin up. She, I, she could take a, a serious, you know, uh, just verbal, you know, beat down here. Um, and I think WWE has to be very, very careful in how they present this and how they they book the, the match itself as well as the build to it. Um, number one. We do have the benefit. They are on separate shows. 
under zero circumstance am I going to put these two women in a ring together with microphones because Becky Lynch will fucking bury her. If you are going to have these two women together in any kind of context, we have talked about this before, Rick, we need a UFC style press conference that is shot cinematically that we can yell cut. No, we need to do that again and really control the situation with a pre-tape. There's no way I'm putting these two together with a live microphone. I agree with you 100%. You know, I think, you know, Rousey, she did pretty well. She she was able to hang in there with Nikki, but even Nikki owned her. Yeah. And as hot as Becky is right now, unless creative really handcuffs what Becky can do out there. And I got a feeling, you know, how hot Becky is right now on that mic, even if they give her trash, she's probably going to be able to put a good twist on it to really bring it to life. So you got to keep these two away from one another. And you have that advantage. You have that with them being on separate brands right now. If you want to do anything like that, then it has to be, you know, in a pre-tape somewhere. And I love the idea of maybe even Becky even initiating it where the she wants to step into that kind of realm. Let me get into into your old world of MMA. Let's let's do a little square off. Let's get some hype. Let's build this thing. I want to step into that world before you step into my wrestling ring and I embarrass you. Yeah. Uh, It's going to be very, very interesting to see how this thing plays out. I think best case scenario, you're going to end up with a 50-50 split at Staples Center for Survivor Series. Best case scenario. Worst case scenario, that crowd is going to be behind Becky Lynch. That's not going to be a casual audience. This is one of the big four. There's a takeover here. People are going to fly in. This is going to be a smart mark audience. And I don't like Ronda Rousey's odds going into Survivor Series at this point. Wait, but you know what? I don't. I don't want to sell Ronda Shore here at all. And she has a great following. And every time people have questioned what the reception's going to be, she has surprised people. Yeah. You know, from WrestleMania on, she's been getting pops. People are into it. They they seem afterwards. They put over her matches. She's been getting great reviews. I I know we don't want to jump into it too much right now, but I got to bring it up just a little bit. It's driving me absolutely insane as I sit here, as we're recording, I'm watching this news is broke that, that Rhonda has been named number one on the women's PWI and and these, these smarts that are just in outrage over how could they do this? I mean, they're blaming that, that WWE has paid them off, that they're not paying attention to anyone. She's, she's so green in the ring. Well, what has she done? Well, news flash. The PWI is based in KFAB. And if you look at her resume, I don't care who else you line up around this globe. It's hard to compare to what she has accomplished in a short amount of time. And she is doing it with the number one wrestling promotion in the world. I'm with you guys. when, When he first told me, my initial response was, get the fuck out of here. And then I remembered this whole thing's based in KFAB. There's nothing there's, worth getting your peonies. There's no one else that can line up. I mean, I've seen people, Tony Storm. So I, what the hell has she done? She's working for freaking indies in the, in Europe or on the other side of the world. It, it, even Becky Lynch. Yes, she's been hot for what? Six weeks, two months. She was a nobody before that. You look at what Ronda's done. She has dominated women's wrestling and she is the face of the women's division in the biggest company in the world. She's, she's unpinned. She's unsubmitted. She, she keeps hitting. She's been in a marquee at WrestleMania. The next big event, she wins the title. She headlined the first ever WWE Women's All event. I mean, what the hell more can you ask for here, people? 
Who's number two on that? Your asses. Who's number two on that list? Uh, Bliss. Hmm. I was just wondering because you know I keep hearing Charlotte versus Rousey. That's the main event for Mania. Charlotte versus Rousey, and I just I'm not seeing it. They have done so much damage to Charlotte over the course of the last six months. I just I don't that does not feel like a WrestleMania main event. It feels like you know we're gonna call this a WrestleMania main event alongside of the other three or four WrestleMania main events, but that does not feel like a WrestleMania main event to me. Like it did six months ago. They get, they've got Charlotte in at three. Jirai uh, at four and Asuka at five. How in the fuck is Asuka at five? If this thing is built in kayfabe, Asuka should be 555. I think they're putting so, they're, they're putting so much weight on what she had done in that first quarter of the year. Yeah, all she, she won the Rumble and it's been all downhill from there. Well, won the Rumble... And, you know, arguably match of the night at WrestleMania. But after that, you know, then disappearing, flip-flopping on character, disappearing at times, like you said. It's been downhill from there. You know, there's, you want to make, there's, there's some problems with this top 10. You know, we could definitely make some arguments about. But at the top with Ronda, what she's accomplished so far, I, I, there's no one that touches that. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why I was curious who was number two, because I even feel like Alexa Bliss, since she lost the title, it's been a downhill slide for her. She's not nearly as hot as she once was. It doesn't help that they've thrown her into some terrible programs here the last couple of months. But, you know, it's like, okay, if she's number two, then the logical WrestleMania match would be number one versus number two. And that doesn't feel like a WrestleMania main event to me either. Well, we saw that at SummerSlam. The only one that feels like a WrestleMania main event to me, if, you, if it's going to involve Ronda Rousey in a singles match, is Shayna Baszler. Uh, I, I completely agree with you. Unless, you know, they've got a lot of repairing to do with Charlotte. I think they can get her back there. But, you know, even even how they've handled her since, you know, that great match at WrestleMania. Sure, she's been in the title picture. She's she's captured the championship. But it, it, it doesn't have that flair feel to it. Well, it was what, 10 days after WrestleMania when Carmella beat her for the title? And it's been all downhill from there. Yeah, it's, it's almost like, oh, it's, they got that feeling where, you know, it's Charlotte. She's a flair. We can just, we can, we can elevate her whatever we want. Just plug her into it. People are going to buy to it. That's not the case. No, and not I at also all. Think not when it, you have Carmella pin her clean for the title. Carmella in at number seven. See, and I would think that in a world of kayfabe, I would think that Carmella would be higher. I, you think she would. I, I, I can make an argument where she should be up there at four or five. Absolutely. But I mean, the, the people, the people going crazy over this thing. It's, it's hilarious to sit back and look at these arguments. It's pull it, pull it, pull your head out of your ass. People get rid of that. Just blind hate for anything. WWE and look at this from a KFAM perspective. It's the biggest company in the world. And look at her accomplishments. She's been unstoppable. And she's the face there. And I, hey, I really, what really has me laughing, this is just the beginning. And she's here for a couple more years. So let's go ahead. Let's uh, throw it over. Let's talk a little bit about blood money.
And in honor of our Saudi Arabian fans, we are not going to talk anymore about any women on the rest of this show because they are banned from the rest of this show in true Saudi form. Uh, so blood money, Cena and Brian are out. Renee Young is in and oh, it, you liar. What? Renee Young's a woman. Oh, well, yeah, I guess. Um, evidently Renee Young is in, uh, which I think is bullshit, by the way. I don't think that she's going to Saudi Arabia. Um, and Hulk Hogan is in or out or in or out. We're not exactly sure. WWE is not promoting it whatsoever. They actually removed him from the website at one point. I don't know if he's back on at this point or not. Uh, so Cena and Brian are out. Hogan and Renee are in. I guess that's the consolation prize. You don't get John Cena. You get Hulk Hogan. Um, Rick, I got to thinking about this last night. What is it that John Cena and Daniel Bryan have in common other than they both used to, or still in Bryan's case, nail bellows? They both mm. have the same agent. They both have the same agent. This might have been a package deal. Daniel Bryan may not have even had any kind of choice in this thing whatsoever. It very well could have been John Cena says, I'm not going and neither is Bryan. Yeah, I mean, could have been some kind of a deal together on this thing. Uh, maybe, maybe went the other way around, where you know Brian kind of thinking, you know, I don't want to be a part of this. If I kind of make this stand on my own, man, I'm I'm totally screwed here. John, will you back me up? Well, and now it also seems to have come out, and not like we didn't see this coming. WWE has absolutely zero plans for Daniel Bryan now that he has lost his championship match to AJ Styles. What is next for Daniel Bryan? Well, I was going to say, I, I'm glad you brought that up. I know it wasn't going to run, but uh, on the break there, I went and looked at some news stories to see if anything had kind of uh, had come about as, as we had started recording. And I did see the story, and immediately, again, you got people that are reading a headline and not really looking into the situation to see what is truly going on. Everyone's flipping out right now thinking that, that Brian, that the reason that they put that match on SmackDown, the reason that it opened is that he is being punished and that they don't have anything going forward for him is, is a way of saying, you know what, you, you bailed on some Saudi, we're bailing on you. That's not the case. The actual, if you look at anyone that's reporting, you go back to Alvarez's quote on this thing. He's reporting that what we saw on SmackDown was actually the plan finished for Saudi. So it was going to happen that way. It, in any case, he was going to tap out there and then Joe was going to interject himself into the situation and take everyone out. So it seems like they really didn't have anything in store for him heading into this show. Well, let's go ahead. Let's talk about it. Samoa Joe is replacing Daniel Bryan uh, against AJ Styles at Saudi Blood Money. Um to which, you know, my initial response was, God bless SmackDown, you know, the, the, the place where you can just disappear from TV for like a month and then come back and get a title match in less than a week. Because we, when's the last time we saw Joe? Well, since, since his defeat, you know, the last time that AJ got him kind of in what we assume was that blow off match. No, like, no, he was he I, had another match because he, he lost oh, yeah, he, in the qualifying lost, uh, match. Yeah, he lost to uh, Hardy. Was it Hardy? I couldn't remember who it was. I believe it was Hardy, yeah. I but I don't think we've Hardy. seen him since then. That that was the last time it seems to it was so so impactful that I, I I just completely spaced on it. Uh we haven't seen him since then. I guess maybe they were trying to like keep him out of sight, out of mind here. But I guess to their credit, it wasn't just like 
He came out and said, I want a title match with Paige gave it to him. AJ said, give me Joe. I just, I have fulfilled my obligation to defend against Daniel Bryan. I went out and showed that I was better than him. I got an opening at Crown Jewel. I'm sick of this guy. I thought I got rid of him last time. I'm going to take care of it once and for all now, Paige. I want him Friday at Crown Jewel. So at least they did cover their bases there, which if you look at some of the other moves they made this week on programming, yeah, really can't give them credit for using really any logic. Is there any chance Samoa Joe becomes your WWE champion at Saudi Blood Money? Uh, I believe there is zero chance. I think they're just kind of moving Joe into the spot and moving everything up maybe a little bit, or they're going to spread things out here a bit. I don't like that at all. I don't like that at all because here's my point. My problem now, uh, Samoa Joe has lost every opportunity that he has had at the universal championship. He has also now lost every opportunity that he will have had at the WWE championship. I think Samoa Joe has got to be getting up to about Owen six in championship matches. And, uh, I, I don't like what that's doing to Samoa Joe as a character. It's really kind of starting to devalue Samoa Joe for me. What do you think? Do you really think they're looking at that? No. And I, and, and that's part of the problem. Hey, I, and I don't want to spend too much time on this because I, I know as this show airs, just, you know, crown jewel is most people are going to listen to this crown jewel is going to be in the bag already. People are going to know the results. So I'm not really worried about breaking that down, but it, it drives me crazy. This, that they gave that match away on SmackDown with absolutely no hype at all. They even took, not just to do it on SmackDown with, with no real announcement prior to it, but to do it at the top of the show. I mean, if if they come, you know, if Vince or whoever was in charge of creative at the time over there, they came and say, this shit, this match has to happen on this show. Why not at least put it in your main event and put over? Hey, hop on social media. Start using the, the hashtag Styles vs. Brian. Start spreading the word. Hey, hey, go old school. Pick up a phone. Call a friend. You want them to tune in to SmackDown. This thing could have spiked the rating for them. You you easily could have gone into if it had anything to do, you know, if it, when it had to do with Brian not wanting to go to Saudi, then have Joe attack him before the match, take him out before you actually get to that main event, put some heat on Joe for ruining that for everybody, or just have him take him out and then reschedule that match for two weeks from now and advertise it on SmackDown. Um, I I halfway agree with you. Um, the half of me that agrees with you is they, this absolutely should have been promoted. Absolutely. 100% should have been promoted, whether they rescheduled the match for in a couple of weeks on SmackDown, or if they announced it last Thursday and were running promotion for it, whatever. I agree. This match should have been promoted. There's no way they should have just gave this away the way that they did. Where well, there's, I, no excuse, there's no excuse for it too, because you know, We've known for a month that Daniel Bryan doesn't want to go to Saudi. Where I disagree with you is, and I like it being the opening match on the show. And the reason is, if this was Raw, I would agree with you, this should be the main event. But with SmackDown having a hard out time, you know when the match is going to end. So I like it being at the beginning of the show. I'm not looking at that. I don't care when this match ends. That's fine. Have it end early. Come up, swerve us. Come up with another segment behind it. Act like, oh, we didn't know it was going to end here. We got to fill time. I don't care about that. I'm looking at it from the marketing side. There was no, there's hardly anyone watching SmackDown at the top of that show. 
Yeah. You just waste it trying to spike a rating. If you're if you're absolutely dead set on having that on that show, move it to your main event. Tell people, hey, this thing's gonna start at 9:30. We're giving it the whole, we're giving it a half hour to close this show. All we're asking for your fans, hashtag styles versus Brian. Hop on Twitter, hop on Facebook. If you're old school, pick up the phone, call the friends, help us spread the word. We got breaking news. We want everyone to tune in to SmackDown, but they don't do any of that shit. Yep, nothing. Absolutely nothing. And it was a great match, too. Really enjoyed that match. I think that was the best match that Brian's had since he's come back. See, I, I was so irritated by their decision to just drop that on us and then open the show with it. It took me completely out of the match. I get that. I get that. I watched it on delay on YouTube with no commercials. That was great. Well, that was, an, that was another thing. You know, that first commercial break, gone. Yep. And well, yeah, because they ran, what, three breaks during that match? Yeah, and only one with the little picture-in-picture. Uh, picture. Ridiculous. Uh, Bobby Lashley has replaced John Cena in the World Cup to crown the best in the world. You know what, Phil? I'll give you that one. I'd rather you were in that than uh, Bobby Lashley, too. Um, so this is what I don't understand. Bobby Lashley in the last two weeks is 0-2 against Finn Balor. Bobby Lashley gets put into this match, um, and they just say, because John Cena never qualified. Uh, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but I do find it ironic that John Cena was Bobby Lashley's tag team partner. Tagging with John Cena turned Bobby Lashley heel, and now Bobby Lashley is going to replace John Cena at Saudi Blood Money. Yeah, this this entire Lashley thing, it's kind of, man, it's a head scratcher. You know, what is the direction? Where do they want to go with them here? I guess, you know, and I was talking about how they go about making things happen, not making sense. This is kind of what I was I wanted to point towards. I guess you could kind of say it, 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 that's Corbin. You know, he's rewarding people for not really doing anything. It's his favoritism. It's he's just kind of just that piss poor general manager right now. Uh, that that's what they're going with here. But still, creative wise, you couldn't come up with anything better to to get somebody into that slot there. I'm really hoping that if they're going to bring John Cena back for WrestleMania, which does not seem like it's a foregone conclusion to me in any way, shape or form. At this point, I feel like the WrestleMania match has to be Bobby Lashley and John Cena. Well, I've seen some rumblings. Well, Cena was in an interview. I, I don't remember the publication. I think it was on a, I think it was a television program where they were asking him about WrestleMania and he pretty much, you know, was at, he got the audience kind of going, you know, getting them riled up and, they were, do you want to see me at WrestleMania? You know, they all pop. Do you, are you sure? I, I was thinking about sitting this one out. Do you want to see me? And it ended with, you know what? You've convinced me I'm going to be at WrestleMania. Again, you know, that could just be a, you know, a work for that audience to get you know, a little excitement around that program. But there has been you know, some rumors that he might sit this one out. I think, they're, I think that they're going to feel they need him. Uh, especially With especially no with big all, dog, you betcha. With no big dog, and I guess they're still reaching out to The Rock. You know, we heard those rumors that, that they wanted Rock versus Roman. Now, I, now I've seen some reports that if they can still get The Rock on board for WrestleMania, that they've kind of got Lashley penciled in as that opponent. That seems absurd to me. I, it, it seems crazy, doesn't it? Like Especially. John Cena versus Lashley? I can get there. I can make that work. But The Rock versus Lashley? Like, Why? I, yeah, I, I, don't I, I don't know connection. how. I, I, I don't really know how we're going to get there. I, I guess you can, we got plenty of time to get that ball rolling and get something going. But to me, at that point, that almost seems forced. 
Yeah. And, and there's not really, you don't have that organic kind of buy-in for people. There's not really that backstory, even with Roman. I mean, there's so much story built in for you. You've already got something there. If you want to go Lashley and Cena, you can go back to this Australian show and it actually would lend some you know, credits to that Australian show. See, we actually did something there. Everyone kind of hate us for just taking that big money in that big stadium show. We kind of planted some seeds then. Well, let's talk about uh, Brock Lesnar and Braun Strowman for the championship of the universe. But first. There you go. Seven second dance party. Uh, Brock Lesnar and Braun Strowman for the championship of the universe. Uh, Rick, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And people are going to be mad. People are going to be so mad. I'm picking Brock Lesnar to win this fucking thing. I have actually, over the course of the last two weeks, I, I've said this a few times over an Acer's uh, live discussion thread over on Facebook and Honda Media Discussion Group. The more that we get into the build for this thing, the more, as I just look at it as a fan, I'm, just, I'm rooting for Brock Lesnar. Yep. And now you know the reason I'm rooting for Brock Lesnar is because I'm rooting for AJ Styles. That's why I'm pulling for Brock Lesnar. If we're going to get Ronda Rousey versus Becky Lynch at Survivor Series, you can bet the plan is going to be the WWE champion taking on the champion of the universe. And we all know how good Lesnar versus Styles 1 was. I'm ready for the rematch. I'm ready for AJ Styles to beat Brock Lesnar. Wow. I mean, wouldn't that be a moment? It, it just even, like, let's just break it down. It's very, very basic there. You, and you got Ronda coming in as the Raw Women's Champ with that tremendous MMA background, that, that tie in there. To have Brock coming back in as a Universal Champ as the MMA guy. And over on the other side, for the show that's supposed to go more towards sports that is already kind of thought of as the workers' show, you've got the, the two darlings that are seen as the in-ring, just the ultimate in-ring skill technicians and Becky and AJ taking on your MMA thugs. I mean, right there, there's some intrigue right there. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. And I know Ronda Rousey is going to beat Becky Lynch. I've already re resulted that in my mind. Ronda Rousey is going to beat Becky Lynch. The only question is, is she going to get booed out of the building when it happens? But I want to see AJ Styles beat Brock Lesnar. I think AJ Styles has earned that right to beat Brock Lesnar. You don't have a big dog. Yeah, AJ might be 41, but you know what? AJ's a real good 41. If you're only going to have him for another couple of years, make as much fucking money with him as you possibly can right now. And how do you do that? You have him beat Brock Lesnar. Well, I think, you know, when you're talking about age wise and, you know, how much shelf life does AJ still have? I think he's still got a good four or five years in him. I do too, but I think you could run with him as the face of the company for two years while you're waiting for a big dog to get better. I, I think you're exactly right. And especially after, you know, last year, you know, last year at this time, remember, this is where, where AJ really turned heads within the WWE when he filled in during, you know, the, when everybody went, what, what was it? It was like that sickness that went around well, the yeah, locker yeah, room. Yeah, the, epi the epidemic that just swept through the locker room. 
completely shook, you know, shook the company to its core. They're in panic mode. And who shows up to save the day is AJ Styles. Yep. Uh, and they, he has they, been rewarded graciously with a very, very long championship reign. They, they, after that, they, they give him the title in a historic victory. You know, the first time it switched hands off of, right? Off, off of American soil or North no, American well, soil. North American soil. Yeah. First time out of North America. Next history there. Goes to, goes to Survivor Series and kind of saves that show because, you know, Jinder versus Brock, everyone was way down on. Everyone was kind of down. I mean, they kind of like just the violence between the brands, but that story was going nowhere. It, it was so many plot holes and it didn't make sense there. People weren't really buying into it. AJ and Brock steal the show, arguably Brock's best match since his return. I would say it's the best Brock Lesnar match in a decade, at least. To me, that is a great selling point itself uh, for Survivor Series to really show where these guys have co- you know, come in a year to bring this thing full circle to hype AJ versus the Beast, you know, David and Goliath. That's an, this is the ultimate David and Goliath here. Round two and have AJ go over there to close that show would be huge. And you make a star like that. AJ's a star. He's a mainstream star. If you beat Brock Lesnar, you are a mainstream star. Make no mistake about it. That will be covered by TMZ and Extra and Entertainment Tonight, ESPN, all of them. And especially if that's the last image you send, you send Brock off to UFC and you got AJ who is seen as a complete package of pro wrestling going over there. You just, you're right. You made an absolute star out of him. It's something that, that you don't need from Saudi. You don't need that image of Braun going over Brock in that situation. Braun doesn't need that. He's fine where he's at right now. But in even going into the Survivor Series, I don't think there's that much appeal with Braun versus AJ. No, not at all. That match sounds awful to me. And I think they would be so worried about protecting Braun. They have him go over, which just further devalues the WWE Championship, which is already you know, kind of at... AJ is the man is doing all he can to define that title, but they're not showing it any respect in any, in any regards. Yep. I'm for it, man. I'm completely for it. AJ is going to become the longest reigning WWE champion in history. Well, not named Bruno San Martino, but he's going to pass punk's record. I, I I've absolutely come to that conclusion with where he's at now. He is absolutely going to pass 434 days to be the longest reigning modern era champion in history. Might've been a hell of a flight from South America, but boy, have they paid him back for it. So Rick, let's uh, throw it over. Let's talk a little bit of new Japan, new Japan pro wrestling power struggle coming up Saturday at 4 a.m. Eastern standard time. Rick, this is going to be a really, really good card. It uh, finally got concluded this morning when uh, Rapungi 3K won their final match of the Super Junior Tag League, Gato, that magnificent bastard, has booked himself a triple threat for the Super Junior Finals because of the way, of course, this worked out. One beat two and two beat three and three beat one. And so there's no tiebreaker to determine who are the two teams going into the final. So it'll be Suzuki Goon, Kanemaru and Desperado, your current IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions taking on the LIJ team of Bushi and Shingo and the Chaos team of Rapungi 3K. I think this is going to be a lot of fun, man. A triple threat super junior tag team match, a.k.a. this is going to be a car crash. 
Let's say they're, they're going to be all over the place. The action's going to be everywhere. Uh, dot dot dive. Hold on for hold on for the ride. You're going to get everything you love out of this thing. Dark, uh, you're the expert here, man. Well, how do you see this thing playing out? Going with Lij, Bushi, and Shingo. Once Liger and Tiger were out of it, that I jumped on the Lij bandwagon. Wearing my Lij hoodie today from ProWrestlingTees.com. Yeah, I love their hoodies, man. They're so soft. Good stuff. Uh, we also have Tai Chi, your never open weight champion, taking on Hiroki Goto. Um, this was supposed to be Will Ospreay's spot, but of course, uh, Walter tried to murder poor little Will, and uh, Will is now sitting out with an injury. So we get a rematch here for the never open weight championship. I expect Tai Chi to retain. Not a whole lot to really talk about. Just wanted to feature the never open weight title on this show. Uh, your Rev Pro British heavyweight championship. Tomohiro Ishii, your current champion, taking on Minoru Suzuki. Rick, these two guys were in a tag match again this morning. Guess what they did? They beat the ever-loving shit out of one another. Yeah, you hear the chant quite often, you know, fight forever. In all professional wrestling, if that's fight forever, these guys might just be not just at the top of my list, but the entire freaking list. This is the match I am looking forward to on this show. And I know there's, there's some great talents and great matchups, but this is old school, baby. These two are just going to beat the ever-living hell out of one another. To the tag match this morning was so funny because it's like, so Suzuki-Goon comes out first with their big, you know, Kizuni Nair entrance. And uh, then Ishii, and I forget who his tag partner was, doesn't even matter. Ishii gets in the ring, goes right at Suzuki, and they start fighting. The bell rings. After the match, when the bell rings to end the match, Ishii climbs back in the ring, and him and Suzuki start fighting again. Like, it's just like the bells don't even matter. It's just one big match that's been going on for months now at this point. These two guys just beating the shit out of one another. Fight forever. IWGP Intercontinental Championship, Chris Jericho defending against evil. A lot of people expect an evil to take this championship. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think the Lionheart is going to retain. Yeah, I think uh, I think we we'll see Jericho ride this thing into Wrestle Kingdom. Yep. Yep. Uh, I, I I know. I think I, I'm expecting a, a great match between these two, and I know this is going to be, you know, what grabs the attention of the West. You're going to have so many people talking about this thing. Uh, so, you know, hopefully they deliver so it, that it kind of you get that trickle down effect where people want to check out what else is going on in this show. The man that I think is going to be taking on evil at Wrestle Kingdom, Zack Sabre Jr. I want to see the blow off to that feud at Wrestle Kingdom. But on this show, he is taking on the leader of Los Ingobernobles de Japón. Tetsuya Naito, uh, Naito looking to avenge two losses earlier this year to Zack Sabre Jr. I expect Naito to get himself back a big win here. Look for Nate, and you know he kind of needs one, doesn't he? Doesn't it always feel like Naito needs a big win? I was going to say it's always it's it's just he kind of he gets right there, you know, he's right at that edge, it, you know, ready to you think he's ready to get right back on top that that breakthrough moment, and it's almost like they pull him back and. It, He's still regarded as one of the, you know, the very top and best talents in the promotion. But when you get to these, these big matches like this, these big events, it, it really feels like that. He's like a second tier player. He's, he kind of feels like Kurt Henning to me when, when Mr. Perfect was in the WWE, like he's so good that, you know, he doesn't need the title, but God damn it. Give him the title at least once here. 
Let him see what he can do with it. Like, why was Mr. Perfect never WWE champion? Because he was so good that he didn't need the title. Well, at different times, too. Yeah, that's true. Um, Hiroshi Tanahashi and David Finley taking on the Golden Lovers. We're finally going to start getting the build here to Omega and Tanahashi inside of the dome. 100% David Finley's taking the pinfall here. Absolutely no question about that. Uh, and speaking of Tanahashi, want to throw this out there. Big shout out to Chase Owens, the only crown jewel that I give a flying fuck about. Chase Owens and Yujiro Takahashi getting a big win this morning over Tanahashi. Yeah, how about that? Chase Owens beat Hiroshi Tanahashi. Let that sink in. Hot freaking dog. You know, I'm, I'm fascinated because Chase Owens this morning, he was introduced from the Bullet Club Elite, which doesn't really seem like that's a thing anymore. Like, the storyline hasn't caught up to New Japan yet. If only I could... If only I could talk to Chase and figure out what's going on. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't that be wouldn't that be uh, just an amazing opportunity to, to grab someone from you know just not from Bullet Club, but from someone you know like Chase that seems to kind of be maybe stuck in the middle of all of this, all this turmoil, everything that's going on, all these questions, and that would be a a golden opportunity. Uh, that that would be incredible. But maybe you know the the reason that. They're, they want to play it that way is that so it's confusing to everyone. No one really knows what's going on here. My absolute pop of this morning show, Chase Owens on commentary alongside of Lanny Poffo. That was some good stuff. Listening to those two guys talk about what well, the best way to cheat to win a match was absolutely hilarious. Also of note, Chase Owens cheering on the chaos team against the Bullet Club OGs. So uh, real interesting stuff coming out of the Super Junior Finals uh, at, at the moment. Speaking of Okada, Okada and Beretta will be taking on that bastard Jay White and Bad Luck Fale at Power Struggle. Rick, it looks like this is going to be your main event. That's right. We are still putting Kazuchika Okada in the main event, even though we have Kenny Omega versus Hiroshi Tanahashi in a tag match on the show. Your main event, Trent Beretta, Bad Luck Fale making their way to the main event as the tag partners of Okada and Jay White. This is clearly happening at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, they're, they're setting up here. I think we're going to get the uh, probably almost the big confirmation here, right? I'm wondering what's going to happen here because uh, Jay White, as we know, has said that he has a mole inside of chaos. Um, I'm thinking it's one of the members of Rapungi 3K, but, you know, I can't tell them apart, even still. They're still the Tempora boys, as far as I'm concerned. Um, Rick, there's another possibility here. Uh, Okada came out recently and said, you know, yeah, me and Tanahashi, we've buried the hatchet. We're getting along now. Everything is good. We had the handshake heard around the world. But everybody, cool your jets. Yoshihashi is still my tag team partner going into World Tag League. Now, Yoshihashi has been rumored as one of the guys inside of Chaos that could be Jay White's mole. I'm wondering if we are going to see Yoshihashi at this show and maybe something happens to Beretta. Yoshihashi has to fill in. I think Yoshihashi might be the guy. Would, it, would, it, would a switch for Yoshihashi over to Bullet Club 
Would that really do anything for Yoshihashi? I don't know if it does anything, you know, particularly for him. But in the grand scheme of this story, the way this thing's developing, I, that would be a, a major power move, wouldn't it? Okada loses everything. He lost Gato. He's slowly losing control of Chaos. Well, and, and now that, his tag and partner. And that's the story that you kind of foreseen months and months ago to kind of just break Okada down to where he has lost everything. It, everything that we know from the, the Rainmaker is gone. He is devastated. And it takes the ace to kind of build him back up. Yeah, there is no Rainmaker right now. We just have poor little Kazu. Yeah, poor little Kazu running around with his balloons, tagging with guys like the Best Friends and Toru Yano and Rocky Romero. It's just chaos is kind of in shambles at this point. I almost kind of want chaos to just kind of go away or find a way to completely rebuild itself because it's just... It's this weird island of misfit toys at this point. You got like Tomohiro Ishii and fucking Toro Yano are in the same faction. Like, can you imagine those two guys hanging out? Uh, yeah, actually, that would probably be pretty damn entertaining. That's what's on Toro Yano's DVDs. You should look it up sometime. It's rather entertaining. I don't think Ishii is a big fan of Yano. Just throwing that out there. So that's going to be... Uh, New Japan Power Struggle, then streaming for Vengeance Saturday night at 7 p.m. my time, 8 p.m. your time, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, this, of course, from the Jericho Cruise. This is going to be streaming on Fight TV for $24.99. If you are a standard Honor Club member, you can get it for $12.99. If you're like Huckleberry and I, and you've got the full-on Ring of Honor VIP Honor Club membership, this show is free. Looking forward to this thing. Your Sea of Honor tournament. Rick, this is a, a, a pretty good tournament, and I don't know who won. I have avoided spoilers to this point. Here are your first round matches. The returning Dalton Castle. Finally, Dalton Castle is back, and he is taking on in the first round the man that pinned him for his kingdom's championship matt taven matt taven and dalton castle first round looking forward to that match christopher daniels takes on the booker that's right the booker delirious is actually in the tournament he might be a favorite to win just saying uh then we have marty skrull taking on rhett titus silas young and flip gordon looking forward to that match Mark Briscoe takes on Will Ferrara, Hangman Page, and Frankie Kazarian, who have the strangest love-hate relationship I think I've ever seen in my life. Cheeseburger takes on the Beer City Bruiser, going with my buddy Burger over strong in that one. <laughs> like that's going to happen. And Jay Briscoe taking on Kenny King. Hopefully Jay Briscoe beats the ever-loving piss out of Kenny King. That's what I want to see happen in that match. Rick, this is a really good tournament. I'm looking forward to this thing. Yeah, I'm kind of looking the way this plays out. Is this how you've got this this listed? I'm with you. I, I avoided the spoilers for this thing at all costs. I don't want to know. I want to be able to sit and enjoy this enjoy this show. Is this exactly how the bracket lines up? I mean, can I, I don't play know. my way? I don't okay. know, honestly. I was sitting there, I was sitting there trying to look at in my mind, okay, who's gonna advance here? Man, I would looking at though these talents though, I would love to see a Christopher Daniels and Jay Briscoe final. Ooh, that would be good. That would be good. Um, hmm. If I had to pick one guy to win this tournament, I'm going to go with Matt Taven. I think maybe this is how Matt Taven gets his title shot at final battle. 
Uh, I could really see, I can actually see the winner of this entire thing coming out of that first match. Yeah. Either Castle or Taven. Yep. Either, either or. I'm, I, I would be happy with either match to face off with Jay Lethal. And I, I think it would also be great, though, if you have Castle beat Taven in questionable form and then Castle goes on to win it. And now Taven's, I got screwed. This was my tournament to run through. I'm fine with that. I got I'm, I'm the first round. I'm fine with that as long as this happens. At some point, the referee has to get knocked out and Matt Taven gets a visual pinfall on Dalton Castle. Oh, yeah. I, I, that's how you'd have to do it. That's how you would you have, have to, to have do it. it. I had this match won. I had him beaten and he goes and wins this. This is mine. I, I got screwed again. Yep. It's a goddamn conspiracy. Also on this show, we are going to get to see the Bullet Club team take on the Alpha Club. Now, Rick, I uh, I sent you pictures of uh, the Bucks of Jericho, or is it Y2 Jackson? I sent you pictures of these three guys hanging out together. We saw Jericho in his full Young Bucks get up on being the Elite's Halloween special. What do you think of uh, the Bucks of Jericho, or is it Y2 Jackson? I would say it definitely popped when he when he sent that photo. Jericho absolutely representing, rocking the Young Buck year. Uh, just a crazy visual. It was great. I popped pretty hard for that. I'm looking forward to that match, too. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, then on Sunday, that's right, because Ring of Honor can't get left out of this thing. We've got a big Ring of Honor show on Sunday. Man, this is going to be a jam-packed week, and we're going to have a four-hour locker room on Monday. ROH Survival of the Fittest is Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, Survival of the Fittest, this is one of those uh, fun shows. It's kind of a tournament. It's kind of a car crash, the way this thing is all put together. On this show, you're going to have your ROH six-man tag team title match, the Bullet Club team of Cody and the Bucks. I'm not sure if they have... uh, uh, a special name like you know the super click or the super villains or the hung bucks what would what would what would you call cody and the bucks oh man I, I have no idea so much going on there i guess i guess they're just representing the elite at this point uh how about uh, let's just go with sexy marty and his dirty party hey there you go i like that uh bullet club taking on the kingdom for the ROH six man titles. Be interesting to see how that plays out because that's about the only gold that the bullet club is carrying around right now. And it'll be interesting to see if they even call them the fucking bullet club, or are they going to call them the elite? How are they going to be introduced? That's going to be one of the most intriguing parts of this match. Then we have the champions challenge and Rick, this actually sounds like it could be fun. You have the ROH tag team champions, Scorpio and Kaz representing SoCal uncensored. Of course, these uh, titles being defended under Freebird rules with SoCal uncensored. And uh, they are going to be taking on the ROH world champion, Jay Lethal, and the ROH TV champion, Jeff Cobb. That should be a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, I think, you know, when you get to outside of the Survival of the Fittest tournament, you, you really can't complain about these like specialty attraction matches that they have. No, I think I think this is actually a lot of fun for the show. Then you get into your your survival of the fittest tournament. Now the way this works is the winner of all of these matches will face off in a six man mayhem main event. That is basically an elimination six pack challenge. And then the last man standing will earn himself a championship match against Jay Lethal. Here are your six qualifying matches. 
You have Tracy Williams taking on Jonathan Gresham. Uh, PJ Black, the Darewolf, PJ Black taking on the Luchasaurus, who we have seen in Lucha Underground a couple of times. The Beer City Bruiser taking on the Fallen Angel, Christopher Daniels, which is why he is not in the tag match representing SoCal Uncensored. Then we have a series of triple threat matches. I'm not sure why some people got singles matches and some got triple threat matches. That's a little bit strange, but. All right, we'll go with it. Adam Page takes on Colin Delaney and Dalton Castle with his boys. Andrew Everett versus Guerrero Maya Jr. and Flip Gordon. Silas Young and Stuka Jr. take on the villain, Marty Skrull, who is my pick to win this whole freaking thing. Marty Skrull is my choice to win Survival of the Fittest 2018. Rick, who do, who, how do you see this thing playing? Uh, it's interesting that you, that you went with old sexy Marty there because I was going to go with the hangman. Ooh, yeah, that's right. The elite representing. Uh, hangman seems like he really wants himself a championship match and he doesn't give a shit what championship it is. He'll find somebody and go after the tag titles. He'll go after the TV title. He'll go after the ROH world title. He doesn't really care. He just wants a title shot because, uh, hangman knows that he has been severely misused inside of ring of honor this year. Hangman should be one of the cornerstones of that company at this point, given the rub that he had coming out of the G one and they have done everything absolutely nothing with him i'll say you know he, he's looking for that opportunity but he, he's had you know at little stretches where he's really starts heating up he's going to get that breakthrough that's why i was kind of looking i when i looked at this field you know he was a little bit of a dark horse but i think this is that this is that big moment he needs he's gonna ride he's gonna finish 2018 hot ride that wave in the 19 i'm looking forward to the year of the hangman I'm curious about some of this other talent that is on this show and who exactly is actually working with ring of honor and who is being brought in for this show. Tracy Williams. I'm not familiar with at all. Taking on Jonathan Gresham, uh, PJ black and the Luchasaurus. I don't know what their affiliation is with ring of honor. I love the Darewolf PJ black and the Luchasaurus. Some of you may remember he was on uh, big brother a couple of years ago. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, he's wrestling for Ring of Honor now in a freaking dinosaur costume. Um, so I, I, I don't know what either one of those guys' status is with the company. Um, Colin Delaney, I know he was a WWE jobber there for a little while. Uh, but again, not familiar with what his affiliation is with Ring of Honor. Andrew Everett, I know from Impact Wrestling, just recently signed a contract with Ring of Honor Wrestling. He is going to be a full-time Ring of Honor guy, so I, it wouldn't surprise me if they try to give him some kind of rub in that match against Guerrero Maya Jr. from CMLL and Flip Gordon. And then Stuka Jr., who I think is from CMLL, but I'm not entirely sure in that final match against Silas Young and Martin. Skrull. Well, I think, you know, I think it's just a case of they know what they want to do with a few certain in-house talents. So instead of really, you know, keeping your own in there and getting them losses, let's bring in some outside talent. Let's add some extra flavor, hopefully bring some different eyes, you know, just to the product and maybe, it, you know, get some exposure for some talents they want to do some business with going forward. 
So of the four big shows this weekend, Huckleberry, you've got WWE on Friday. You got the Jericho's on Saturday. You've got New Japan Pro Wrestling on Saturday. And then you have Survival of the Fittest on Sunday. You ain't going to that show, are you? That's the show in Columbus, Ohio. No, I will not. I'll, I'll be watching from home. It's, I, there's, there's so much going on this weekend. I'm just going to anchor on down here in the office, uh, get some work done, and have the the side monitor over here just focus on wrestling. It, it's going to be uh, an over-the-top rope weekend, man. Which one of these shows are you most looking forward to? Can you pick one? Uh, just to piss everyone off, I'm going with Crown Jewel. You motherfucker. You motherfucker. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Then head over to the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com and check out all of the audio content available. Please hit up hackerhameen.podbean.com so you never miss Rick and I in Mondays in the locker room over at Hameen Media. Get ready for a marathon show on Monday because we're going to try to run through as much of this stuff as we possibly can. Then don't forget to head over to our newest partner, Last Word on ProWrestling.com for all of your pro wrestling needs. You can always find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Email us at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. You can always find me at NotJargo on all social media platforms because unlike the Andrew Bello, I haven't bitched out on Facebook as of yet. Rick, how do the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks find you? Well, make sure you're heading on over to Facebook and the Hameen Media Group uh, for information on how you can purchase your very own I Hate Rick Vickery. And speaking of Bellow, you can also pick up your I Hate Andrew Bellow t-shirt. Hey, buy both of them. Big Ray needs your support. He needs those headshots to get him to Hollywood. That's your I Hate Rick Vickery and I Hate Andrew Bellow t-shirt. You want to ask Big Ray how you can pick yours up. But hey, speaking of Facebook... We're going to be celebrating our Hameen Media Discussion Group one-year anniversary over Survivor Series weekend. Uh, stay tuned. We are going to have some exciting event details coming out later this week. You know, I'm talking about specialty programming. We're going to uh, be covering all the big events that are going on that weekend. We are going to have some blockbuster Ask Me Anything sessions. We're going to have some big names lined up for that. We're going to have swag giveaway. So much going on. Keep your eyes out for details. We're, we're kind of just ironing out some things right now, but we're going to have a big announcement here in the next couple days. Hey, Rick, I, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but it's time for a seven-second dance break. Okay, continue. I, I love that. I love that shit, man. Where was I? What was I talking about? Oh, hey, how about you can find me on social media? Get me on all the platforms at the real RBV. Also, be sure to check out Herd Marketing for all your hospitality-based marketing needs. It's at over at Facebook.com backslash B dot herd. That is B-E period H-E-R-D-D. Jargo, get us out of here. That's it for this week's show. We'll talk to you Monday over in the locker room. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! me. I don't give a f- I'll be your bad guy. Stop, stop, go! Bang out, bang out, bang out, bang out. Watch your fingers!
of your kind Break the couples that go Stop getting down inside Situation is a classic cliche You'll be draping the blame on me I smell self-righteousness That's the bad guy Go! Oh, you 